0: This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right, welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast this week. There's no news because it's going to be a long episode because it's not one, it's not two, but it's three reviewers this week. It's me. And yeah, Ian Wadley, and <laughs> stop getting throat fucked, Justin, and say hi.
1: Hey there, it's it's Justin Childers.
0: How yeah. you doing? like Donald Duck there? <laughs> getting oh, throat sorry. Fucked. This week uh, we're gonna review a band we've never reviewed before, and it's like probably one of the biggest bands ever, right? The Who. Well, yeah. well, they were, you know. They're kind of like kind of lost in the shuffle, kind of like Richie Blackmore and stuff like that. But to me, they're still legendary. I saw them in a baseball stadium two times. Well, football stadium. Then the last time I saw them in a packed arena. But still, that's besides the point. And we're going to review an album that's not really talked about, and it doesn't feature the classic lineup with Keith Moon. It's the first album they did without Keith Moon, Face Dance. But before we go that before we go into that, me and Justin gotta iron stuff out. We haven't even talked about this, because I figure we'll do it on this episode. Woo! Justin Justin, you ready to go at it? And, oh, and by the way, Ian is gonna be the referee, so you know we're both gonna knock each other out.
2: Yeah, all right. All right, if y'all wanna to touch gloves, do it right now. This is the internet, so I want a dirty fight. You can hey, pull hair, you can Justin. kick the
0: groin. Justin, touch the gloves, okay? Yeah. The hey, gloves. Hey. Don't go lower.
1: Hey. You-
2: All I'm right. Gonna bust,
1: I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna bust you up. <laughs> All
2: right. If I feel somebody's going on too long and making an ass out of themselves, I'm gonna let you hang yourself live on the internet. Come on, I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm gonna make an ass out of myself here. All right. All right. You both know the rules. Hash this shit out.
0: All right, well, I feel like I already hatched it out, but me and him haven't really talked about it because I love Justin. I don't have no problem with him. And uh, he claims not to have a problem with me, but he sure did like a little while ago. And uh, the whole point of the matter is why I was going to thinking about leaving the show, uh, regardless what Shauna I thinks, I never said I was leaving the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, but, you know, it did enter my mind that I really have no say in a lot of things. And it got to the point where Justin Childers had more say than I did and he ain't even part of the fucking show so I left the page I was like fuck these guys and Justin was very happy about me leaving and uh, Then you know, I mean Ian kind of like we didn't really have it out I just told him. well. We had it out the first time but then after the smoke cleared I said to him how I felt I didn't think it was cool for me to censor you guys to tell you guys what you can and cannot do but at the same time I don't have to be part of it but Ian wanted me to be, be part of it and he he kind of convinced me to go back I went back and I made the page fun with you know uh, putting in my input making polls and all this shit but I just wanted one thing to stop one thing that Ian was against and Justin was against. now Ian I can accept being against it but Justin Fuck you, dude. Seriously. <laughs> Who the fuck are you to tell me how to run my board, even if I'm not there that much? It doesn't matter, dude. It's me and Ian's fucking page, not how you said. Ian, Ralph is fucking up your page. Or Ian, um, what was it? Uh, Ian, get, uh, put your bitch in place, or whatever the fuck he said.
3: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I was it. like,
0: Ian... I said, Ian, control your bitch. (laughs) There you go. Ian, control your bitch. And this guy was just so upset over me saying, and he didn't even know what it was. He suspected it, and he was right with his suspicion. But he still didn't know, and he was like, really fucking getting a hair up his ass. And I'm like, what's gotten into this guy that I thought was the coolest faggot on the planet? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, Justin, your rebuttal.
1: Well... Yeah, I think it was a Wednesday. I always look forward to like Ian gets the ball rolling every morning, like with a couple posts. Do you like is this class is this cock rock classic or cock rock crap? You know, and he'll post some posters or whatever. You know, to get the get the day rolling, and it's a fun way to start my day. Cause like every every other well, most Americans or most people in the world, I have a job that is, you know, you, you like to wake up in the morning like, oh, gosh, time to make the donuts, you know? And it's, and this page really is a lot of fun. And, and then all of a sudden, one day out of the blue, I love when you post on the page if it's cool, fun stuff. But, like, you came out all guns blazing with these, like, cryptic messages like, I'm going to clean up this page. And you, you posted a picture of yourself brushing your teeth going, First, I'm going to scrub these teeth. Then I'm going to scrub this page. And I was like, I was like, what the fuck? This guy hasn't been on the page in months. And now all of a sudden he's like coming down hard. And I was like, at first I was like scared. I was like, oh no, is he mad at me? Is he mad at what's he? But then I suspected and you, and I was right of what you were uh, upset about. And you know what? You're right. It is played out. OK, I mean, Ian and I have this um, sort of sixth sense of when it's a funny time to post a picture of a certain person, you know, and I realize that a lot of people are tired of it. And and hey, you know what? I got to tell you, I'm already tired of the whole Shanahan thing, to be honest, I you know, I don't like seeing his picture. Cause he's, he looks like fucking retarded. And he's, he scares me. He's, Justice, I feel like he's just yeah.
2: stay on point or I'm going to take away a oh. point.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: Yeah. You forgot. We got our referee is, man. <laughs> he, he, oh yeah. He, retarded Waddley. Hello.
1: Yeah. But you know, it was like, well, who the fuck is this guy all of a sudden coming on and like laying down the law and, and I was not upset so much about specifically refraining from talking about or pictures of that person. It was more like, um, I felt like it was editing or, or holding us back from just having, just being free to do whatever we wanted. You know. So,
0: so in other words, you jumped the gun.
1: Yeah, I came too fast, yes all right and i ding, and ding, i'm ding, known ding. i'm known to do that so
2: way, <laughs> round round one ding ding yeah. R- round round one i'm gonna award some points okay okay that was a good clean round rep you bought, brought up an amazing point it's just as much your page as it is my page
0: yeah but and- but let me tell you something i think this is unfair too because uh what the audience doesn't know who wins gets a blow job from the person who loses. And Justin is purposely trying to lose. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> All right, let me go back to my points. Ralph, again, you made a great uh, point and you delivered a, a great roundhouse punch and it is your page as much as it is mine. And you do have a say. Justin, you caught him with a haymaker that, that he was an absentee father. It wasn't there that much. And a lot of people were having fun uh, in his absence. All right, come out, round two. Round throw the first punch.
0: All right, so then Justin, when I come back, uh, was still in a fighting mood with me. And I said something like, all right, I'm back. Uh, And I explained how I don't think it was cool. I was trying to sense you guys, but me and Ian talked it out, and Ian... uh, comply to my wishes so let's have some fun and justin was like yeah you know i understand it's cool and it's this and that but it's not bullying and it's like okay dude like that's your opinion it's not mine and then you just kept on and i'm like can you stop dude and then after i said that he blocked me all right that's it I, i i can't i can't punch him anymore (laughs) <laughs> all, right, oh, wait.
2: all right, take us, sw- and, and no hugging. I hate that when they hug and box yeah. All right, push away. Justin, throw a punch.
1: Well, before I blocked you, I noticed that I was gone from some of your pages.
0: Yes, you oh wait, wait, like- wait, can I Can I just say something about that? That happened, what? that happened before uh, you blocked me. That happened Because not only you, but you and Ian were, after I had that blowout with Ian, I said, you know what, I I was, I I didn't, I blocked Ian for, I mean, I deleted Ian for a different reason I deleted you. I deleted Ian because me and him just fight too much. I deleted you because you were pretty much telling me how to run my own board. So I took you off not only my page, but I took you off every group I have because I was upset with you telling me how to do so. Yes, but... I didn't block you. All right. That's right. all I just well, want to say. Because well, I, just, I just wanted to verify the time frame that I did do that, but that was before I came back to the page.
1: Well, I was like, well, fuck. If he doesn't want me on his goddamn page, I'm going to block him. But I I went back and tried to unblock you. And there was some glitch with Facebook where I could not unblock you.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't and, know what happened and that's when you and yeah. you told me that I blocked you I was like I didn't do no such thing now I don't know if the glitch went away when you tagged me in something because that showed up on my on my um, alert thing on my notifications that Justin Childers tagged you and when I clicked on it that's when I noticed you were not uh, on, my, uh, on your block list anymore I wasn't on your block list anymore so there I I believe I sent you an invite didn't I yeah, you did. You, okay. you
1: I mean, well, it was just like this past week. Right. Where right. You sent me a, a friend request. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it, the 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 fact of the matter is is that yes, uh you blocked me and then when you unblocked me, uh something was glitchy cuz I never blocked you. I can't block you if you block me. You 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 have to unblock me in order right. to block you. Right.
1: Well, and, and here's my whole take on the bully thing. Bullying implies that one person is stronger than the other. Like, I have some edge against somebody that I can bully them. You know, I don't fucking know this guy. This guy lives a thousand miles away from me. And so how's that? how can I bully him? If I say some shit that he doesn't like, he's free to block me. He's free to say, fuck you, fuck off. And, and, and I think, I think, The, um, I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this, but there's a rush page. Okay. Uh, Oh,
0: oh, I know about it. And then Mark wrote me about you complaining about you. And you can even ask Mark. I said to Mark, that's between you and Justin. I want no part of this. This was before this whole mess happened with me on the page, but that was like a week before Mark was complaining about you to me. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking to me about this? for? I have nothing to do with this shit. Right, yeah.
1: So, anyway, this Rush page, there's, like, no activity on it except for one, um, I won't name his name, but there's, like, a teenage kid. Brody! Oh, Brody! Okay. Well, he, I noticed that the only thing that was going on on this page was him posting fucking reviews every five minutes. Right. So I'm like, wow, this page, I wrote, this page is nothing more than a goddamn advertisement for shitty reviews. Well, so anyway, then a, a few days later, I notice um, a, a review posted by the, 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 the person in question, if, if you want to name his name, whatever. Um, and it was Pink Floyd, the wall. And I, and I wrote, how many fucking times are you going to review this album? Okay. It's, I mean, how difficult is it to, and, and I happen to think the wall is overrated, Personally, but
2: right. I'm like I, I'm deducted I'm points like, for that.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm like I'm like, how many times are you going to review a fucking album that sold a gazillion fucking copies that is universally beloved? Where's the challenge in that,
0: Ian? You know, yeah. It's excuse, like, excuse me, one second, yes. Ian. Take yes. notes on the wall, next episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, all right, keep 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 it going. And, cause, oh, oh, by the way, Ian. After that, we got a review thriller.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, Justin, you're hugging. All right. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're a hugging bunch these of, nuts. You're you're, <laughs> you're dragging. All right, come on. You're dragging these nuts. Keep 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 it going, or I, I'm gonna call it end of this round.
1: Well, no, that, I mean that's really all it is. I mean, I you know. Oh, I, okay, that,
2: okay, that's a lame fight. <laughs> what? what? Point, points awarded to Ralph. That's the end of round two.
1: You ain't so bad. Okay. You ain't oh. so
2: bad. <laughs> hey, woman. Hey, woman. Why don't you cut up to a real man? Uh, okay. Uh, round two. Uh, round two, I'm, I'm going to give to Ralph. All
3: right.
0: Here uh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, by the way, Justin. Uh, yeah. I must break you. <laughs> uh, All right. You can't, well, you can't win.
3: <laughs>
2: Both you go to your <laughs> corners. Okay. Ra- round two, I'm um, awarded to Ralph. Uh, Ralph did bring up some good points. Um uh, talked about who blocked who, and Aretha Franklin's who's Zoomin' who, Zoom and, who and, uh, and... And ACDC, who made who. That's right. All right. Uh, Justin, you brought up some good points, too. The catalyst for this whole problem had to do with something you did on a page that was separate from the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. That's what really set shit off. And here's another thing I'd like to point out. What really offended Ralph are pictures that were not uploaded by us. These are pictures that Terrence put up of himself. We are simply reposting pictures that he is so proud of he posted on the internet. Correct. I am so,
0: aware of that, by the way.
2: So so and, and it's not so much that we do uh, that we did verbal attacks on Terrence. Simply we posted pictures that we deemed funny. But it did offend ralph which kept him away from you know, the page
0: ian and another thing you got to make 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 uh make sure that everybody understands it wasn't just you and justin you know what i mean posting these pictures it wasn't just you 2 i'm not going to mention names because i have no problem with these people but i just I, I didn't even have problems with either one of you i just wanted it to stop it was like enough already this guy and oh oh i i on the next round, I'll talk about the bullying. But go ahead, Ian. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: All right. So uh, I'm going to award points to Ralph on that. But I also see uh, uh, Justin's side of it. And I also feel like what Justin did uh, in retaliation initially was, was a joke that wasn't taken in the right context because it was something that was on the written page. Where, like, like Ralph, you say... On Facebook, we fight like crazy. But when we argue, on when we talk, we don't get into these problems because you can sense sarcasm, you can sense uh, uh, joking around where you can't tell that. Like when, uh, when Justin says, shut your bitch up, uh, if you heard him say that right now on the air, you would laugh the same way you laughed when Lee Gershman called you a bitch you know it's funny and it's of the moment but when it's just written it sounds a lot worse and it i, sounds,
0: I it. understand that ian but justin just disqualified your opinion was saying how hey who's this guy he doesn't come here and he's laying down these walls it upset him so hey, therefore hey that round, wasn't sarcasm
2: round, round, you already won round two okay? i'm
0: just saying i'm just i'm now, now, justin you're gonna referee us <laughs> <laughs> round one me and ian. Right. he, he <laughs> justin good. admitted no, Justin no. did not call me a bit your bitch out of sarcasm. He said it because he was upset. Oh, oh no, no 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 no! I would no, never. No. I would never. I
1: would never call you a bitch. It was joking. Okay. I no. was. I was like. I was annoyed that day, okay, because you were like. Posting shit left and right, and 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 I love when you post stuff because it's fun and it adds to the page, and you are half of the podcast. That is true. So it, it's, it's it 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 would make sense that you post as much stuff as as Ian. Now, but and I understand why you don't or can't because you've got a bunch of different pages and you've got two bands and and you work full time like the rest of us. So I understand why you can't possibly be as active as Ian, because you've got, your uh, time is divided in more directions. But that, it was just that day, it was like, who the fuck's this guy all of a sudden with these cryptic riddles about cleaning up the page? I'm like, what the fuck? Is he going to like kick me off the page or something? Because I posted a picture or, and I was like, gosh, what's going on here all of a sudden? That's all.
2: All right, here we go. We're getting ready to go into the third and final round. Okay. And here we go. I want to see somebody either get knocked the fuck out, or you you guys make up, or somebody gets knocked the fuck out and you still make out.
0: Well, here as, we far, go. as far as I'm concerned, we already made up. Let's go into round three. Alright. Justin, cyberbullying is different than the bullying you were talking about. A lot of people kill themselves over this shit. Especially people that are not mentally stable And I feared that okay. I even feared it when I was having a war with this guy now I also want to bring up the fact that This guy has left positive comments uh, uh, on our iTunes Supports us listens to us all the time has nothing but nice things to say and uh, I'm not gonna bring uh, I'm sure they're listening. There is another podcast. I won't they'll know who I'm talking about where a certain member of that podcast was relentless toward this person for over a year. And finally, he had enough and left a negative comment on that podcast's iTunes page, and all hell broke loose. And I don't feel that's fair how somebody could take so much abuse, and the minute he says one little thing, he turns out to be this fucking asshole. And that's how I felt like the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Facebook page was relentless on him. Whether he sees it or not is besides the point. I just see this guy getting abused, abused, abused. And then when he turns around and fights back, Ian has to tag me. Oh, look at what your friend's doing now. Like, and, I even, and, and believe me, I even got pissed at him, writing him going, don't fucking play into these people. Ignore them, you know? So therefore I do feel like it's bullying because there are many cases hundreds of cases a year of people killing themselves I'll give you a good example the great great Anton Maiden who did a lot of like you know okay they were horrible but they were so bad it's great Iron Maiden covers and he got attacked for it so badly and he killed himself because Iron Maiden was his favorite band obviously wasn't mental mentally stable he felt like he was leaving letting his band down, and he killed himself open maiden tards and no offense people that find fucking Adrian Smith like a good guitar player and they made him kill himself (laughs) now that's not that these are people Justin that live thousands of miles away on the other side of the planet in some cases and it still led him to kill himself do we understand ourselves? First of all, are you going Ian? Are you yes, go- are you going to do the are you going to count? I mean, come on, he didn't get well, up off the floor.
2: Oh, well, 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 we we got to give him a chance to swing. All right. Okay. Uh Justin, this is the third and final round. Deliver your knockout.
1: Well, so, then in that are you acknowledging that this person is not as strong as the rest of us? Yes. Because okay, because what I'll say is like I must be strong as an ox because I get people post, you know, calling me fag and this and that all the time. Which, hey, I'm so look, I'm so. Hey, uh, Justin,
2: not to cut you off, but I am the referee and I'm the one calling you a fag. So. uh, (laughs) Well,
1: I I am so fucking secure in my manliness that I can post like pseudo gay shit, right? And and if people want to come on and and like call me gay or whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't know these motherfuckers. Fuck them, right?
0: Yeah. That
1: You know, I, I... I'll fuck their mother right in front of them. I don't give a shit. And so... This... Um, bullying... angle, it's like... Fuck you, man. Get the fuck off the internet if you can't handle it. You know? But I realized then that some people... What goes on on the internet is probably like 80% of their life. They have nothing out. They have no fucking job. They don't leave the fucking house. That's all they got. So if that's the case, then fine. I will post. I'll, I will not mention that person's name ever again. No more pictures. And, and I will also say in my defense, other than that Rush page comment where I, I was in a, a frisky mood that day, I guess. I I realize that Terrence is not on the Rock and Combat page, and so when I post a picture or something, I know that he's never going to see it unless some, you know, someone runs runs back to him and says, "Oh gosh, they're being mean to you. They're making fun of you." So I I would never do that like to his face. Well, not I,
0: I'm a, not to cut you off. I'll let you continue, but just to let you know. There was somebody telling him that, and it was me. You know, I was telling him. I was telling him this so he could behave, because I was doing all these things for him. I was telling him what to say, how to act, so all the shit would stop. And then, when he was following my orders, it still wasn't stopping. And I'm like, God, man, this guy is quiet. Stop. But uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But I want to bring that.
1: I also. Okay. Well, listen. When I was on the podcast the one time I was on there and I did those two episodes, this guy has a way of backhanded compliments trying to piss people off. Right. He sent me a private message saying, oh, I'm sorry if you were hum- humiliated on the Rock and Metal Compact. I'm like, what are you talking about, humiliated? The only way it could be humiliated is if I was like offended by you guys liking ass-eating and I don't. right i mean that's i'm like where are you coming from with this sorry if you were humiliated and then he said he said i'd love for you to come on on our podcast and we can discuss any who album that you want i'm like go fuck yourself You, you you like give me this this like backhanded compliment and then going way way back in the past this fucker would make comments like, well, I have a broader taste in music than you." You know what? I can't think of a person on the page that has a less broad uh, taste in music. He doesn't like jack shit unless it's by a band that has sold a gazillion albums or one of its members doing a solo album.
2: Well, it kind of reminds me of you, Justin, because you don't like anything with a broad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... He and I'm like, go fuck yourself. I mean, has he ever heard any, uh, you know, anything that wasn't by a, a larger than life band or the members of oh, that band? Justin,
0: I, I, Justin, right. wait, 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 wait. I, I got, I got, a, I gotta hit that. I will say this to Justin right now about right now what he said about our buddy Tim, well, my buddy Tim. You are a hundred percent correct. I do agree with you as far as broad musical taste. This guy does not have a broad musical taste. Sorry, Terrence, but the truth is the truth. But at the same time, Justin, if he's gonna write you and say, "Hey, man, uh, you know, sorry, they humiliated you," and you're like, "What the fuck?" Well, I throw it back at you then. Then get the fuck off the internet if you can't take his comments. Right? Am I right? Correct. No, but I, I just Bam! basically. I, I, no, no, no. I, you know what? I didn't even respond to that comment. Yeah, but it annoyed you. You, you just admitted it. I'll roll the tape back.
2: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Every, everybody's rambling now. That's the end of round three. That's the end of the fight. I'm come getting on, ready. yeah,
0: come on. Justin Justin can't take no more. I don't uh, want to kill him.
2: I'm, I'm getting ready to make my
0: decision.
1: Okay. I'm like a, I'm like Apollo Creed, I and mean, you better throw in the towel, man.
0: Uh, uh, Justin,
2: you're like a, a <laughs> Justin, you're like Apollo Creed and Rocky IV. You're about ready to die. Go to your corner. It, exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, round three. Some amazing points were made. Ralph brought up a great point about cyberbullying, and uh, there are very sad examples of of cyberbullying that leads certain people. We lost the voice of Anton Maiden. Ralph Ralph great point. Okay? Justin brought up another great point. The internet's not for everybody. Justin, I talked to Justin worse than anybody else on this planet on the exactly. internet, uh, on the internet. I I I I I am so vile with this motherfucker, but I know he can take it. Okay? And there are certain examples where we'll post a picture of fucking Terrence that he cannot see because he is blocked. Okay, but here's another thing I'd like to bring up. Uh, you want to talk about cyberbullying? How is what we did to Terrence... Actually, we were worse to Michael Shanahan, which is somebody who obviously is mentally ill. I got an answer for that, but go ahead. And, 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 and we were very... Uh, you know, we ragged on him. And do I feel bad about that? No, I do not. A, because I am an asshole. Uh, B, because he started some shit. And another thing to go with uh, what Justin said, I saw a comment that Terrence recently posted about me and said that the reason me and him didn't click is because he is smarter than me and has a an higher intellect than me. So I see what Justin was saying about like, the backhanded compliments and him trying to show he's better but then again you, you know this is like you know I'm, I'm sorry but it's like forrest gump goofing on you you know uh now did i really get mad about it no because nothing that's said about me on the internet like okay round nose, like some i've got at some people on the on the youtube page but it was always when it got personal. It wasn't about opinions on music. Like, a, I give a shit if anybody disagrees with me on opinions on music. But if you want to get personal, okay, then I'm going to come after you. But if, like, hey, you like the elder and I don't, you goof on me, I goof on you, we go back and forth, blah, blah, blah. But if you want to get personal, then I'm fucking coming out. And, I, and, and, and you ain't beating me. Because I'm going to win this shit. So you both brought up great, you know, Ralph put a great. There is cyberbullying, and it is unfortunate, but the reason that that I felt safe, and I believe Justin felt safe, is that this is something he wouldn't see, and it was just pictures. It wasn't verbal, it wasn't like, oh, Terrence should die, you know, I don't say Terrence should die, like I say, uh, Sammy Hagar should die. Okay, if Sammy wants to come after me over Sammy bullying, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do my time. But these are just simply pictures that that he already printed up. But, Ralph, you are a more sensitive, caring individual than myself. Or Justin. You are. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a nice guy. I'm just not that nice. I am in a certain way, but in other ways, uh, you know, life is tough. If, if you can't laugh at yourself and if you can't joke at yourself, you're in trouble. But some people don't have the mental capacity. But... We did the same thing just to Michael Shanahan, who... I, I, I think this dude is just as fuck, fucked up, if not more, than fucking uh, than Terrence.
0: And to tell you the truth, I didn't really join in much on that Michael Shanahan. I think I made maybe one comment on all. Well, Ralph, I didn't that, really take part of it. I,
2: Ralph, it, Ralph I that's why you're a better person. No, no,
0: no. I'm not saying I'm a better person. I just want to bring up the fact that, you know, I think... What really really upset me and you were right in but what really upset me was the day you tagged me When this guy insulted a certain podcast saying look at what your buddy's doing. It's like oh, so now uh, Since I protect you're trying to sh- shove in my face. Look at what a dickhead Terrence is But it's like yeah, but people are being a dick to him for over a year. He doesn't say a word the second he does something everybody gangs up on this guy And then when he doesn't say nothing, everybody gangs up on this guy. That's my whole point. And I just, I want to be part of this podcast. I want to have some kind of say. But also, I do not want to censor. That's why I gladly left the page. But my point being, dude, you and I, I can even take more than you think I can. Because Justin ain't the only one going on fucking Facebook talking about how gay he is. I do it many times.
2: Well, well, Ralph, I mean, here's the realization I came to. First of all, I love the show, and I love you. Most of all, I love you. And I I wanted to keep this, and I realized that there, there were times that you wanted me to bend, and I didn't. And then I realized, like, hey, here's a lot of me getting everything my way, but that's not how a partnership or a friendship works. Sometimes, you know, I have to bend, too. For, for the sake of the show for the sake of the friendship and that's why I've been on this you know I realized like hey even though I see things differently it doesn't matter uh you have a view and I have to respect that and, and, and
0: my view is not a big
2: deal no it, you know it, it's it, in the in, in the big picture it's not at the time it seemed kind of like well why is he doing it but I realized it's like hey we don't have to agree on everything but it's all about what's best for the show what's you know what's best for our friendship, what's best for the fans, and what you were asking wasn't a lot. I realized I was being stubborn. I mean, you were sticking your guns on something you believed in, and I was too. But I, I can't have everything my way, and and that was my fault. I was being too stubborn, and and that's why I said, "Hey, look, even though I might not agree with it, it, it it's not the Ian Show. It's 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 the Ralph and Ian Show." You heard yeah. that, Justin? Yeah. We Of we, course. We, are, we we are partners, and and uh, I'm. I'm not his bitch, Justin. He's not my bitch. He's not my bitch. And in fact, you know, you know, let, let let's be honest here, the the show would never come to this height if it wasn't for Ralph and and Ralph's popularity, oh, I, can't, I can't
0: I can't agree with you there because then people will really think I'm being cocky. No 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 no. This, this, I'll this, let you say well, it. Yeah Actually, no no no, 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 no.
2: This, this is me saying it. Uh. The majority of the people have come to this show because they know Ralph either through Thrash or Die or through his reviews. Well, so, can uh, I
1: say as as a third party that you're that's true? I know of the show because of Ralph because I discovered his reviews like true. three four years ago. I think his Kiss reviews were fucking amazing. Well, thank you. And through and through that, I I watched all of his Black Sabbath reviews and his reviews on other albums. And and that's how I, I wouldn't know Ian if it weren't for Ralph. Let's Thank put you. it that way.
0: Yes.
2: And and, and and I agree. And that's that's a, the one thing I I, I just want to say. But I, I truly feel the show is, is Ralph and myself, and right. and it will always be that way. And without one, you do not have the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, and you never will. It is me and Ralph, but. There's times I need to bend, and there's times Ralph needs to bend. And this here came a time where I needed to bend, and I did, for 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 the good of everything.
0: And I got to say, also, that I agree with you 100%. There is no Rock and Metal Combat podcast without you and I. Uh, and maybe the listeners does not know this, but I'm starting my own podcast, and I don't want to close because I'm not going to find anybody like Ian to jive off of. I'm going to do my own thing. It's not going to be a weekly program. I'll talk about that in the future. But my podcast, in order for it to succeed, I can't do it with anybody else but Ian, or else I just do it alone. And it's going to, I'm going to be alone, but I'll have guests and all that shit. But, and of course, it's not going to be just like Night or me talking on every episode, because I'm not that much of a megalomaniac. But I will have people to talk with. It'll just be rotating guests. Um, but there's no way i can do a podcast like the rock and metal combat podcast with anybody else because what ian does what ian brings to this podcast it's it's not so much me and him are yin and yang because we're pretty much on the same page as six sense of humor and mothers and all that bullshit but we also have this love of music that we love the same music yet we hate the same music You know what I'm saying? It's like, we love a certain band, but we'll hate an album from a certain band, but we'll still love that band. And that's very rare to find somebody like Ian on. And that's why I feel like this show is successful, because uh, Ian is very funny. I find him to be a, a fucking stand up comic. I mean, he says things real fast and hilarious. And that's why I stick. That's why I love this program. When I was thinking of leaving, all that was in my mind was Dude, I'm I'm doing it alone. I don't I I'll never find an Ian. And yeah, all right, fuck you guys if you think I'm cocky. But Ian will never find a Dr. Fuck that he can jive off of uh like like he does with me oh, on the I, show. I agree never. a thousand percent, And I and I ever. can't find and I'll and I'll say the same thing. I will never find an Ian that where I can jive off of as I could probably find one, but it won't be as good. And, it'd be
1: like Bla it'd be like Blaze bailey
0: <laughs> right? Well Blaze Bailey's better without It's <laughs> True. True story. Yeah. I love so, Silicon side. So's Bruce. So, Alright,
2: well that is the end of the fight. Ralph is the victor. Plus I do a show with Ralph, Justin. I don't do a yeah, yeah, show yeah, with no, you. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Uh but the main thing is. Friendships are healed. Shit was talked out. Justin, we love having you on here. Well, maybe love is a strong word. But uh we, we tolerate you on the show, and uh, we appreciate you on the page. And Hey, sometimes we disagree, but the main thing is we talk it out as friends. We talk it out as brothers.
0: And, can, I, uh, can I say just one more thing? Let's start the review because we're going on too long with this. Okay, bye. All right, Justin. Yeah. There will be no rematch. There will be no rematch. The world won.
2: Good. I
0: really enjoyed that. I enjoyed it too because I kicked his ass. <laughs> yes, she did.
2: Yeah, J- J- Justin. <laughs> if you ever want to be back on, just shut up and take your beat. That's right.
0: <laughs> so we came. We what we got out of this whole fight was uh, two things. One, I'm not Ian's bitch. Two, Justin's my bitch. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm your Bob Daisley.
2: There you go,
0: exactly.
1: You can, you can you can shit on me and just call me back, and I'll yeah. always be here. Yeah,
2: that's right, but Rev has a medley.
0: medley. Remember, medley. remember that. I come up with a medley. You, you don't do shit without me. What the? You're right. He probably Didn't do that well. Did it there, Bob? Oh, one more thing we haven't discussed. Uh, Justin Childers is his last name. Childers. Um. It's spelled Childers, though, but he says it's Childers. I actually knew a girl back in the day. She's actually still on my Facebook, by the way. Her name is Sherry Childers. She spells it exactly like Justin, but it's pronounced Childers. Now, her name is spelled like yours. It's C-H-I-L-D-E-R-S. C-H-I-L-D is Child. Now, Chill would be C-H-I-L-L-D-E-R-S. That would be Childers. Now, Justin. Has proof why his actual pro- name is pronounced Childers. Go ahead, Justin. Well,
1: okay. All right. Well, first of all, um, I've always known it pronounced Childers, and it's always pissed the family off. Like you'll go to a restaurant and you'll put your name down, like when you have to wait for a table, and you'll tell the, the you know the seventeen-year-old hostess. Uh Childers, Party of Four. Uh, uh And then and then and then two minutes later they'll say Childers, Party of Four. I'm like, I just fucking told you my. Justin, name is Justin, Childers.
0: if you don't like that, get the fuck out of the restaurant.
2: Right, 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 right. I, yeah, mean, well, I, I mean, what do you expect of the Sizzler? Okay?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. But um the the movie Sling Blade, the main character's name, Billy Bob Thornton's name, is Carl Childers. At one point in the movie, he even, the kid asks him, what's your name? He goes, Carl, Carl Childers. And then recently I'm listening to the radio and there's this guy on ESPN uh, radio named Craig Childers. He pronounces it Childers. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like feeling like I don't even know how to pronounce my own name. But James McCormick on the Facebook page, who's from Ireland, said that my name is very important in Ireland. They had a president in the mid-70s who died in office. His name was Erskine Childers. And I, I and I, I, I typed to him, I said, well, now, wait a minute, is it, do they pronounce it Chill or Child? And he said Chill. Is
0: the All right, so you. okay, Childers, let's get into the review. Ready? Here we go. Everybody ready? This is, uh, uh, refresh my memory. What was this, 1982, maybe? Not- 1981. 1981, the first two albums without... Uh, Keith Moon, am I right I don't right. even know
2: correct yes, yes.
0: it is Not, huh? it wasn't
2: the first tour but this is the first studio album
0: yes I okay. do remember seeing uh footage of them doing sister disco with uh Kenny what's his name again K-
2: Kenny Jones they did, oh. they hey. did two they did two tours prior to the album oh with, with Kenny Jones
0: yeah and one of them was that Chicago disasters where people no, no, got no, no, traffic,
2: no 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 right? that, no 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 that was no no I believe that was in the Cleveland. Cleveland, where the disaster happened.
0: Uh No, no,
1: Cincinnati.
2: Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you're right. In right. Ohio. Oh, Ohio. Might as well be fucking West Virginia.
0: Well, there goes our yeah. Ohio fucking market. Yeah. Uh, and um, this is an album that I will be honest with you. I haven't gotten into. I never got into this album until the past couple of years. Because like most people, if it ain't with Keith Moon, it ain't the Who. But I will tell you this now. The only album I listen to more than Face Dances by The Who is Quadrophenia. I listen to Face Dances more than Who's Next, more than than Tommy, more than My Generation, more than, you know, those are actually my favorites, what I just mentioned now. Because, you know, uh, Who by Numbers is okay, and Odds and Sods, those albums have have its moments and Who who Are You? But I don't feel like they're really solid albums, where um, the other ones I mentioned are really solid album, and I would also say Face Dances is a solid album. It's so commercial though, I will admit that. It's a very commercial turn they took on this album, and some songs that just very much pop. But I love it. And But then again, I, I love Styx, Kansas, Boston, corporate rock, and I feel like there's a lot of corporate rock on this album. Whatever Glenn Danzig hates, I love. <laughs> and Glenn Daggett has come out and said that the Who suck. Well, he no, said, no, no, no. He he loves the. No, no. I was about this. I was about to right, verify. Oh, he oh, said. Okay. I like older Who, but then they they went corporate, and I and I believe he was even talking about Who's next and up. Uh, no,
2: no, no. Uh, what w- what he's gone on record as saying is when they did uh, Who Are You is is when he gave okay. up on the Who.
0: Well, there you go. But and, and I'm sure face is even more commercial than Who Are You. Yes. I'm yes. sure he cannot stand this album. And that to me, and I love Danzig, I love his music, but if he hates shit, I'm going to love it. And uh, I love this album. And how I discovered this album was on the radio. I remember hearing uh, You Better You Bet, Don't Let Go The Coat, um, uh, Daily Records, You, and Another Tricky Day. And also, Early MTV showed Another Tricky Day, a little ago. And um, uh, You Better You Bet. Now, I'm gonna be honest these songs did nothing for me back then I didn't care I was more naive more into just metal and hearing like you know don't let go of the coat and all this melodic shit I'm like fuck that I, I was like more like Danzig back then but you know mellowing in age getting older and you know after eating like 15,000 pussies uh, I kind of got pussy in me, you know I am what I eat so therefore I've become more pussy-ish, and my love for ABBA and stuff like that, um, Beatles and melodic shit, makes me appreciate this album more than ever. And I tell you, man, like I said, Fini is the only one that I play more than this. But I will get into the songs after YouTube, two bozos talk about um, this album. And I want to hand it over to Justin Childers to let us know what, what he thinks of this album.
1: Well, I'm a huge Who fan. The Who is my favorite rock band ever. Oh, I didn't and, really
0: know that. Uh, really more than yeah. Maiden, huh? Oh
1: yeah. Yep. I thought Maiden was and uh No, I, I mean I'd always been familiar with The Who because you hear I mean you can't avoid hearing, you know, Pinball Wizard and Who Are You on the radio. But when they went on tour in eighty nine, which Yeah they had they they had uh yeah, I mean, the Farewell Tour was in 82. And they came back in 89 and went on tour, and there was a story about them on uh, the Today Show. And they were showing clips of uh, from that movie, The Kids Are Alright. Love it, know. love it. Yep, me too. With Townsend doing the power slide at the end of Won't Get Fooled Again. And I was like, man, these guys are fucking awesome. And unfortunately, I did not get to see that tour. I was 16 at the time. and What they didn't, the fuck? I,
0: Wait, wait. What, what? year what? was that? Eighty-nine. Oh, 89. oh, oh! I thought you were talking about the slide. Uh, the, you know, the, who are you? No, 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 no. Like, fuck, well, that was
1: in 70, That was, that was in seventy-eight. That was recorded specifically for the kids. Did right? you know?
0: I don't know if you're aware, but did you know that power slide, uh, was uh, was was, was had bad lighting, and the in the director hates that. If you listen to the commentary of the the light didn't go on. Soon enough, while Pete was in the air, and when he hits the floor is when the lights t- totally came on, and the director was never happy with that cut. Though, that is iconic. That fucking power slide, yeah. as as has been mentioned in the great movie *Pick of Destiny*.
1: Absolutely, yep, the power slide. And um, so I decided to go out, and and you gotta understand, by this time I was already a big-time metalhead. I I had... I mean, 86, I had gotten into Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer. And I had even gone through my big uh, Zeppelin phase that every, you know, every kid has to go through. So on a whim, I went out and bought Who's Next? And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with The Who. Like you, Ralph, Quadrophenia is just my favorite maybe my favorite album ever because Pete Townsend has a way in that album of, even though that's about, you know, a, a kid, a 16 year old kid in England in the mid sixties, it doesn't matter because it, it could apply to any kid that age, you know, feel the feelings of that, you know, not belonging and being awkward around girls and am I like wearing the right fucking clothes? And I mean, it's just a, An amazing brilliant album and um when i got this i was you know by the time i got this one i already had all the classic who albums who's next quadrophenia um tommy uh the who sellout which is underrated album And I felt like, uh, man, this album. You're right. It's very poppy. It's produced by the guy that produced the Eagles, for crying out loud. You know. Yes. It it's 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 very slick. It does it doesn't have the same um,
0: testosterone.
1: Yeah, it's not ass kicking like "Fucking Won't Get Fooled Again," you know, or or that classic (laughs) "Who" stuff and. I got to tell you, you know what I love about The Who is this, is Pete Townsend. to me, after Lennon and McCartney, after them, I think Pete Townsend is the greatest rock pop songwriter ever. And so you put that on one hand and then on the other hand, unlike the Beatles that like were never known as a great live band, The Who are like one of the greatest live bands ever. I mean, and you know, and, and some people, look, I'm not old enough to have seen him with Moon. I didn't even, not even old enough to see him with Kenny Jones. But, you know, I'll tell you, um, this week, somebody posted, Steve Kirsch posted a, a poster of Donnington 87, right? And Bon Jovi was headlining. And... Also on that bill was fucking Dio, Metallica, Anthrax, Wasp, and Cinderella. And I posted a comment. Oh, fuck. How the hell could Bon Jovi follow that? And one of Steve's friends, I don't remember his name, said, you don't know. You weren't there.
2: It was Baggy uh, McFerguson.
1: Well, whoever the fuck it was, I, I replied and said, you know what? I don't have to have been there because it's scientifically impossible for Bon Jovi To follow those bands. Okay. And likewise, I don't have to have been there in 1970 at Live at Leeds or the Isle of Wight. I can see with my own fucking eyes and hear with my own ears that The Who are, were a phenomenal fucking live band. You know, John Entwistle even said, you know, we didn't make as good records as The Beatles, but we could have blown them off the stage and he's right
0: yeah I agree and, I, I will and, say this they were more energetic but I think the Beatles uh, the reason why the Beatles get a bad rap is because you know Beatles shows were just chicks screaming but I, I would tell you guys and you probably seen it. I don't know I'm not telling you guys haven't seen it but when they played Tokyo that pro shot where all the Chinese the, uh, Chinese all the, the Japanese people are nice and quiet during the show they perform really well, though it's not this crazy energetic show like The Who because The Who was more visually, not only musically, but visually uh, more enticing than The Beatles. But The Beatles were not a bad live band. I agree. It's not as good as The Who and The Who would have blown them off the stage. But The Beatles, if you if everybody just would have remained a fucking quiet, they would have seen they were really a good live band. Yeah, well, I'll
1: give you a if I can just give you a quick example. And um uh, I I first saw the I first saw the Who in 96.
2: 96 was that the year you got cable? Uh
1: yeah, it was. Actually. Okay. All right. Um but the reason I was not overly impressed is cuz you had a you had a second guitar player, you had a percussionist, you had fucking horns, you had backup singers and shit. But it, I don't know if either of you saw them in 2000, in 2002. Yes, I did. But, but they came out. Pete, Pete was the only guitar player when I saw him in 2000, and it was fucking magical. You didn't have a percussionist or background singers or all this shit. And as a matter of fact, two weeks after I saw them, I saw Pearl Jam because my girlfriend, who would become my ex-wife, wanted to see Pearl Jam. And, God damn it, the Who fucking destroyed them. So, you know how, Ralph,
0: you, you, you've you seen Van Halen when they were in their prime. The greatest like, show in, I ever saw was the 81 tour. I saw uh, yeah. 80, 81, Diver Down in the Yeah, I saw all those. Well, you know, I wasn't there. But
1: I can watch the, the Capital Center show from 82 and say, holy you shit. You know what, Justin?
0: Must- you want to hear something funny? That has to be the best out of all the Van Halen shows. That Capitol show was the best out of all of them. And I will say this, it still does not capture the energy of seeing that live. There's something that just doesn't transfer. Because Van Halen to me was a religious, it was something that I can never put into words. But I gotta tell you, I am a big Van Halen fan and I collect all their videos, those old videos. And that Capitol Center has to be the best out of all of them. And it still did not capture that intensity when you see that shit live. Because there was something about Van Halen, well, it wasn't just the music, it was the audience and the. Dude, I didn't hear Van Halen get drowned out in that video by the audience. And that's what I saw. Every time I saw Van Halen, the crowd would drown him out in certain parts. You know, David Lee Roth could go. In center swing, she looked so fucking good, so sexy, and so fine. After that, you couldn't hear the rest of the song because everybody went ape shit because he said, "fucking." Now, in that time, a good performer going up on stage saying "fuck" was special, was insane, was so street. You know, it would drive people yeah. crazy. And then David Lee Roth would smoke a joint on stage; the place would go fucking ballistic. But this is about the hoop. Well, that but it's similar. It's like. I wasn't
1: there at the Isle of the Isle of Wight show. They are f- so fucking on fire, and I can only imagine how much more uh, impressive it would have been if I'd actually been there.
0: Probably know? would have been way better. Now there's certain shows yeah. that I I've been to, and you know this is more an obscure thing for our listeners, but one of my favorite bands of all time, definitely my favorite thrash band, is Violence. And when I saw them at the Thrash of the Titans show in San Francisco. I thought that was the most intense thrash show i ever saw in my life and it was pro shot and i saw the video and i was like now this captures it perfectly it's no different than being there unlike the van halen but yeah like you man i wasn't at the isle of white so maybe it did capture or maybe it was even better but that isle of yeah. white show is phenomenal now let me ask you this since you're such a big who fan uh the Le- uh, live at leeds wasn't filmed was it
1: no no. No. That Leeds, I feel like
0: that is even better than Isle of the White uh musically, sonically. Yeah.
1: I mean it was it was like probably six months apart, those two shows. And uh they also recorded the show the show at Hull University and Pete Townsend wasn't satisfied with the the sound of it. But um but I'll look I'll give you the best example I can give of the power of the Who from my age perspective, do you remember the concert for New York after 9-11?
0: That yeah. gives yes. me fucking chills when they yeah. did Don't Get Fooled Again yeah. and all those firefighters uh, jamming. Dude, uh, that shit made me cry. I swear to God. It uh, made it me did fucking me too. cry. The part where beat the New Boss, that part where the way the song ends with him doing the arm throw, I fucking cried to that.
1: Absolutely. Me too. I mean... When they did Baba O'Reilly and they do the, it's only teenage wasteland. Yeah. You could you could hear how loud the crowd fucking was. Right. And when they did Won't Get Fooled Again, it, it, what more perfect song could there have been for that situation, right?
0: I gotta tell you, but watching the- that footage made me cry. If I was there and if it was any better, I would have been in the fucking fetal position. Yep, I mean, it was intense. And you know what's sad?
1: is that they were not the last band that night. If anybody had had any fucking sense, The Who would have closed that fucking show. But there were like three or four bands that went on after them. And Paul McCartney closed the show and he had the audacity to do a new song that nobody even fucking knew. And and that just shows you, here's the mighty Sir Paul McCartney, but the star of that fucking show, I defy anyone to say, that it was anyone other than The Who. And these guys are in their mid-50s at this point, and they are bringing the house down with their performance. And I'm I, I'm right with you, man. I fucking cried when they did that shit. It was like just the intensity of the, the moment of the what was going on in, in the world at that time. It was just mind-blowing. So, so on one hand, you've got Pete Towns in this ridiculous sensitive songwriter like Lennon and McCartney and on the other hand you've got this ridiculous live fucking band that just blows anyone else away for for my money anyway so but that's my history of the who um Ian what how did you discover them
0: Oh
2: are you done I'm, so,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> I was very, I was very, uh, I found Justin's little who speech very enthralling. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well,
2: hey, uh, hey. well, you know, you know I, 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 lost it when he was like all about, uh, the concert for New York. Well, um, yeah, yeah well, he, let me just, i happy my, about 9-11. No, 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 no. Well, well, no, no. well uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm unhappy because George Bush never got arrested for it. But uh you know, I played uh, the concert for Vermont who, you know, they weren't there but they felt sympathetic. But uh Eddie and the Boozers headlined that show and uh yeah, but that wasn't on Yeah, uh, but
0: but the, the, the band that, that uh tribute band of Spin Doctors I heard blew you away. Well dude, if, if They you... didn't get but they didn't get and you had the audacity to play something off Rocky Four. Right, yeah, but you know, they played
2: Two Princes and uh yeah they stuck to the classic yeah they, they got all the coverage that made me uh, cry okay my story of the who um love them uh a band handed down to me from my father and uh i love the fucking who but to me i wasn't like an album who fan i was more of like a a, a compilation uh who fan or the the album I knew the most by the Who was Live at Leeds, because my dad played Live at Leeds all the time. And you know, I sit there and I think about the the episode we did rather where we did uh, uh, Greatest Live Albums, and I I can't remember if I picked Live at Leeds or it was uh, not honorable I don't, mention. I don't know if you did, but it was definitely on my list. But uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, it, it just fucking amazing. But I was definitely more like of a you know a song fan uh, Then I was an album fan by The Who and I'll never forget you know surprise surprise my dad was an alcoholic <laughs> and my dad was supposed to go get tickets for The Who's 89 tour and I, I'll never forget him waking me up and he says you're not going to school today you're going to get Who tickets and back then kids today have, have no idea there was no internet You used to have to go wait in line for fucking tickets. And there was no lottery. There was a fucking line. And and back in the Chicago area where I grew up, uh, there was Ticketron. Ticketron you would wait for at Sears. I bought my tickets at fucking Sears.
0: I used to buy my tickets in Sears like my Van Halen Women and Children First in 79. Uh, All the very first concerts I (laughs) went to was at Sears on the second floor.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, there you go. And my dad won't be able you're not going to school today, you're going to get Who tickets. So uh, I ended up going to get Who tickets, and lo and behold, by the time this show uh, came on, my dad was in rehab, and I ended up going with a buddy of mine, Roman Baird. And we went and saw The Who in 89, and it was fucking amazing. It was my first time seeing uh, one of the big three. You know, and people talk about the big four and all this shit, but to me, there's the big three, and that would be The Beatles, The Stones, and The Who. I ended up seeing The Who first, The Who played for three hours. And I saw The Stones on the Wheels later that summer, and I was disappointed, not that The Stones were bad, but The Who played for three hours, The Stones only played for two, and I was like, what? All classic rock bands are supposed to play for fucking three hours, cause the Who did. Love the fucking Who. Uh, fell in love with the movie. The kids are all right. I watched that movie a million times. Had the soundtrack on CD. Uh, you know, greatest that was a hit- documentary ever. Oh, it's amazing. I had uh, I had Hooligans, which was a, a, a two CD greatest hits. So I was like a. It, it, I know this is weird, but I feel like, you know, a lot of people see the, the Beatles as like a singles act. And I kind of see the who that way. I like,
0: I enjoy the singles more than I enjoy the albums as a whole. I can understand that because some of their songs are a little like bellboy and stuff like that. The a little like right, you know, off center. I understand what you're saying.
2: All over the place, but I mean, you cannot deny the power. I mean, and if you look at what I consider the big three, the Beatles, The Stones, and The Who. None of them had the power that The Who had. I mean, oh my god. I mean, you had the songwriting of Pete Townsend, the bass of fucking John Enns whistle. You know, the drums of Keith Moon. Uh, the vocals of Roger Daltrey. The fucking power chord. Oh my god. I mean, they were just amazing. And, uh, I I love the fucking Who But for whatever reason I've always been uh, Not so much of an album person Are you you still that way? No, it's changed in later years But I mean, earlier When I came into the Who That's how I was But here's, you know, a spoiler alert Until you picked this album out Which I thought was hilarious Because like, we've never done a Who review And you're like, let's do face dances That's like uh, saying your first Beatles record is gonna be Yellow Submarine, right. you know, you know what I mean? It's it's like it's that obscure. I had never listened to this album as an album, you know, as uh without listening to the singles or whatever. Uh, but I listened to it like four times today, and uh, you know, we'll see when we get into the songs what I think about it. But I love the fucking Who. And I, I love that they tour now, even if it's just Townsend and and fucking uh, Daltrey. Yeah. I you know I, I wish they were all there, but these songs need to be hit, heard because Kanye West is not writing songs like this. There is no you know there's no Mumford and Sons do not have songs like this. Your doesn't have songs like this anymore. You're not gonna hear this quality of music and again until, until somebody does, does something different and proves me wrong and for the love of music I hope somebody does I hope somebody comes along and writes quality music with with you know great lyrics Hello. Great, great oh oh well there is that um, but y- y- you know what I mean it's, it's like everything is like a wet nap right now everything's disposable you know you, you're what? pulling up You wipe your hands But there's I mean Stuff that will last For years And years And years You don't get anymore And uh, Man I hope A lot of our listeners Tune in this episode Because they might Like like, either they're not A who Or they're like What you're doing Face dances It doesn't matter This is a quality band This is a quality album uh, You know Of the likes that You're probably Not going to hear again Or for a long time But We've been going on forever let's get into the songs and uh unfortunately justin you're our uh, guest today so why don't you take the first track which is you better you bet
1: okay this was a big hit so i knew this song long before i knew how great the who were overall and uh i remember seeing a video for it it's a great pop song it's not um there's nothing complicated about it or or super sophisticated the lyrics are are funny you know she opens me with open arms and open legs and it's got a great course it's poppy it's fun it's not a whole lot really to go on about with this song other than and it's a good pop song I, I, and I dig it
0: uh, I remember the video the video sped up and I remember seeing this on uh, MTV a lot because back in the early days MTV didn't have many videos. So they would show this, Another Tricky Day, and Don't Let Go of the Cold. Where the other two videos were played at regular speed. Where I don't know why they sped it up on, and I hate it. I hate the video. I love this song. I always liked it, but now I love it. And I'll be honest with you, man, uh, for, for doing this review, and believe me, I've been listening to this album nonstop. I mean, for years now. It's, like I said, I play it more than anyone except for Quadrophenia. And I took a walk the other day, listening to this album, really analyzing, and I never noticed, ever, in this song, he says, to the sound of old T-Rex, old T-Rex, and who's next. You didn't know that? I never knew that. What? I never really realized they mentioned who's next. I'm telling you, I'm...
1: you You know what's cool, if I can just say in the demo, there... If you have the Pete Townsend Scoop albums
0: Yes,
2: yes
1: um, he Their demo of this That whole section is totally quiet And I actually prefer it Because there's no vocals And you just hear those awesome chords Over where Roger's saying I there's like
2: of, to that. There's the cry of small boys being
0: raped oh. Well, yeah You know, what if Pete's listening, man? I believe. Hey, man. He, Pete is innocent. Me too. Yeah.
2: Uh, Ralph. Spoiler alert. You know who posts the most pictures of Terrence? Pete Townsend. Yeah.
0: All right. <laughs> I gotta tell oh, you this shit. Michael <laughs> Jackson, the most richest pop star ever, was taken to court. This guy wasn't. Okay. He was just right. doing some research. They didn't have enough evidence on him. They let it go because he's innocent. Fuck you all.
3: Okay. I mean, I'm
0: sorry. Fuck you. Okay, and fuck fine. anybody that finds Pete Towner to be a fucking Shaw molester, you're a fucking idiot. You really are, because he was the guy was molesting. he was doing research. I believe him. I believe him. You know, but fuck I don't believe it. Michael Jackson, okay. that's for sure. Anyway, so uh alright, uh Ian, what do you think of You Better You
2: better? Uh oh my god, a fucking classic. Uh the first single off the album, it was the last top twenty single for the Who in the US. It went to number 18 in the U.S., and it was the last top 10 single for them in the U.K., which went to number 9. Uh, there's something a little new wave about this. Uh, and, and, and to me, this whole album is like a a, a skinny Ty Who album. You know, it's like you can hear, like, the knack and the cars in this. It doesn't have the experimental nature of 60s Who. It doesn't have the power of 70s Who. I mean, this is very much the Who in the 80s. And, uh, you know, it, what's crazy, if you look back right now, at the time the Who's doing this, they are our age. You know, you know, uh, coming into a whole new era, a whole new sound, but trying to stay the Who but to remain current at the same time, and you see a definite shift in songwriting. And, you know, you have to attribute all of that to Pete Townsend because Pete Townsend is credited with all the writing credits except for two songs that are credited to John Entwistle. Uh This song was written about Pete Townsend's current girlfriend, who was his buddy's daughter. So at the time of recording this, He is dating a young girl who is into new music, who is in... I mean, if you look at 1980, disco's already died. Prog rock has already died. Classic rock has looked as a dinosaur. You know, but you got, like, you've got New Wave, which is basically uh, punk with better production. And and, and you hear that in a lot of these songs. To, To me, it's like, you better you bet, could have came out by the neck, Because to me, it's not that much different than My Sharona. I mean, it's just like, it's like catchy, angst rock. And uh, that's how that is. This was the fourth video ever played on MTV. And it was also the first video to ever be repeated on MTV. Interesting. Yes, it was the fourth video ever played on MTV. And it was the 54th video, which made it the first repeated video on MTV. And, you know, Ralph, you've been, you've been, you know, fucking with me lately about my facts. You know, you're like, oh, what'd you read that on Wikipedia? would you read that? So I was like, well, maybe I need to go somewhere else and, and, and to get info on this album. So I was like, well, who better to go to than Pete Townsend? So... I went on this website called uh, Dirty
0: Kids. Oh, come on, man.
2: So I go, it's like a chat room. So I go to this chat room on Dirty Kids, and I see Pete Townsend. I was like, uh, hey, Pete, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm doing research on the book. I was like, me too. You know? Uh, so I'm like, hey, while I got you here, can we talk about face dances? and uh and he's like yeah give me a minute this is a good video so you know after a little pause uh i I talked to him and uh i've got a lot of in-depth shit on this album and uh and i enjoy it but i mean who's uh you better you bet what a great song and what i love about it though is it it retains like it is the who the moment you hear it it's the who and not only because of Roger Daltrey's voice, but just, there's something about, but at the same time, it's very 1981. It's very classic, but current at the same time. And this is one of the rare ones in that later era of the Who, like there's never been a Who tour since then that they haven't played this song. And uh, Roger Daltrey loves this. And he, to him, he says it's very reminiscent of Elvis to him. And, uh, which I don't get, and I'm not a fan, but, uh, hey, I, I love this song. It's overplayed, but it is a great song. I absolutely love it. And we might as well go to the next song, which is Don't Let Go of the Coat. Don't Let Go of the Coat was the second single off the album, and it did, uh, it didn't do anything like, uh, You Better, You Bet. Um... As a matter of fact, I'm looking at the chart positions here. In the UK, it went to number 47. In the US, it went to 84. Uh, didn't do well at all. There's a lot of speculation to what this song's about. Is it about Mayor Baba? I know I pronounced that wrong, but uh, who was a spiritual leader, much like the Maharishi. And then there's there's talk like this is about his parents who... Uh, who saved him from drug and alcohol addiction? Because you know the speculation about the you know the spiritual leader it, don't let let go of the code is like don't let go of my teachings. You know, like believe my teachings. And then there's also speculation about the parents. As far as like you know, like you're grabbing your parents, you know, coattails and they're saving you when they're down. Because around this time he was going through very bad alcohol and drug addiction. Um, I like the song. It's not my favorite, but I think it's a good song. But there is no, like, official song on this. Not counting bonus tracks. There's no official song on this album that I hate. Uh, But this isn't my favorite. I like it, but I don't... (laughs) I don't love it. Uh, Justin, what do you think of Don't Let Go of the Code"?
1: I love this song. I love the demo that's on... Um,
2: of course you do.
1: It's, well, it's either on Scoop or another. because Pete, the demo of this is really cool. But it, I love this song. You know, Pete, I know what you're talking about, Mayor Baba. That's Baba O'Reilly is right. named after this Mayor Baba and uh, a, an, a singer named Terry O'Reilly. So he was big into this uh, spiritual nonsense. And, you know, man... Pete, I, I, I almost have to look past all that shit and just take it for what it means to me, which is just a love song, you know? It's a song about uh, a woman.
2: Oh, really? Otherwise, doesn't remind you of your father in the tool shed?
1: No, not at all. It, and, and he is a very um, uh, super bright guy who's very spiritual and um in fact in myrtle beach where my parents live there is a mayor baba center for like spiritual learning or whatever and i drive by it every time i go visit them and i always want to drive back in there and i know pete has been there himself um like it's a it's like a church for this whoever the fuck this mayor Ah. guy is i don't even give a shit about all that i think it's a beautiful song um the lyrics are great and it's it's got a beautiful structure to it um i just think it's a great song i don't give a shit about it. mayor baba i like this song that's it ralph
0: yeah probably tied for my favorite track off the album wow song song i knew back then i didn't give a fuck about there's a and in there you know like the other song that was also played on the radio very limit uh, I don't know how much they played uh don't let go of the coat on the radio but I know the other song definitely I remember from the radio um, this song gets stuck in my head so much and this is the song that made me go listen to face Dances. because I remember seeing don't let go of the coat because of um, somebody on um, on my Facebook put it up and I was like oh yeah I kind of kind of vaguely remember the song. And I clicked on it and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, God, this song is so good. I love Roger Daltrey's vocal tones on it. I love the melody to the song. It's kind of slightly reggae-ish a little bit. There's what you can tell like a little bit of reggae in it. And another reason why I really love the song is because I'm sure Glenn Danzig hates it.
2: Well, uh, Ralph, one thing I would like to add, uh, that I love what you said about how Roger sings on this. There's a couple guys who wrote a book on The Who, and I don't have their names right hand, uh, but they said that was the worst thing about the song was Roger Daltrey's vocals, because they said the way he delivered it was bad, and it should have been Pete Townsend to sing a song about, um, you know, you know uh, the, whatever the subject matter was. They said Pete Townsend would have held it better, but... You love what Roger Daltrey did with them.
0: Well, let me put it this way. Those guys that wrote the book, they better find out where Simon Rushdie is before I get my hands on those fuckers.
2: Ouch. Simon oh. Rushdie. Wow, way to take it back to 1989 and the satanic verses.
0: <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> How dare you? You're dead. All right, well, Robert, I got to kill them. You know why? Because if I kill them, I'm getting virgins in heaven, bro.
2: There you go. 74 of them to be exact. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ralph why don't you go to
0: the next song Which is Cash Cash What the fuck's this song about Like there's no (laughs) bears in there What the fuck (laughs) There's no bear, And I've been in a bear cage I don't know silly lyrics I like uh, I like it musically I think it's a cool tune A little rocky I like the structure of the tune I just feel like the 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 lyrics kind of like throw me for a loop in that it's kind of strange too. It's kind of a filler to me, but it's enjoyable. Don't hate it, but it is a strange fucking song. What do you think, Justin?
1: Uh, I hate this motherfucking song, and I, I really hate. And I hate that you called me the other night and wanted to do this album because I knew that I was gonna have to bash.
2: What was this, this, this? A holy song. Uh, Ralph picked this album. Well, I... Uh, by the way, which, okay. which I done Don't get me wrong. I love this shit. Because... Anymore... Like, Ralph, I'll tell you. I used to really care about the numbers. And, and now I don't even care anymore. Because it's all about... Fuck it. Let's do whatever. And people listen. Like like Ralph said to us. Uh, he goes, what's your... Uh, I was talking about an album I thought I did bad. He goes, what's the numbers on that? And I told him, he's like dude you know like a thousand people listen to something and you're not happy and that dude that made perfect sense so when he said let's do this I was like fuck yeah why not Yeah. so when I told Justin we were going to do this he was like oh no uh, there's a song out here where I have to bash Townsend I was like fuck it let's do it who cares if he made a shitty song he made a shitty song and uh, while I might not agree with you, Justin, why do you think this is a shitty song?
1: Well, first of all, it's nobody way too cares, brutal. Justin. Nobody cares. Oh, oh. Well, I, okay. Actually, this actually is supposedly a true thing that happened to Pete. He was hanging out with Johnny Rotten. A, I swear to God, this is what he said. And he got so fucked up that he woke up the next day at a zoo in the bear pit. Wow. Now, I I cried bullshit. I don't know how fucked up you'd have to be to wake up in a goddamn zoo and a fucking bear pit. The bear. But that is supposedly what it's about. And it is way too literal. Roger did not like this song. He was like... Now, you gotta think about from um, the Who by Numbers up through this point... Pete was writing some very literal lyrics about very specific things. Like, Who Are You? That's a specific incident that happened to him getting his ass kicked when he was in the subway. Alright? And poor Rogers got to sing this shit. And... But unlike Who Are You? This song does nothing for me. It fucking sucks. And it's a shame because Pete was so prolific at this time. Hey, okay, Pete put out from 80 to 82. There were two Who albums and two Pete Townsend solo albums. All right. And the two Pete Townsend solo albums, I think, are better than this album. And so I'm like, what the fuck made you put this song on the album? If you listen to the Scoop albums, there are demos of songs from this era that are way fucking better than this. I hate that. Ain't no bears in there Cash, cash I, it's It does nothing for me I think it sucks So Ian, what do you think about this shitty song?
2: Uh, well, I think it's funny that you said that Daltry hated it because this is a song that was never played, there's two songs off the album that were never played live by The Who but were played by solo members, this is one of this was played by Roger Daltrey on a solo tour. Uh, I like it. It's it, you know musically it's kind of new wave and punky. I'm not even gonna get in the lyrics. Uh, but when I was talking to uh, Pete Townsend on uh, Dirtyboys.com, uh, here we go again. He said uh, this is what he had to pay for boys was cash, cash. Oh man. But. Uh, a, a true story, and this is, man, this is my favorite, one, my favorite story that my dad ever told me. Uh, my dad used to work at this bar in Malibu, California in the late 70s called uh, 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 Crazy Horse. And it was often visited by the elite. I mean, because if you're in Malibu, I mean, you're not poor, it would be like rich people. So my dad's job was MC. And, you know, like, whoever would come on and play, you know, he'd tell a joke, and then he'd introduce them and stuff. Well, one night happens to be Keith Moon and fucking Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. And so my dad sat there drunk as fuck talking with, his, with these guys, and he tells uh, Keith Moon about how, you know, he saw Keith Moon bash his drum set. So my dad did this. He bashed his drum set on a, on a live show. And my dad's band opened up for Jefferson Airplane, opened up for the Buckinghams. They were very big in, uh, you know, in the South Chicago Land area. And, uh, you know, so he's he's trying to tell Keith Moon he did it first. And I love this. He said Keith Moon looked at him all fucked up and says, I don't care who did it first. And I love that shit. And my dad got thrown out of that bar that he worked at with both Brian Wilson and Keith Moon because they were all so drunk. And my dad used to brag about how he was the only guy alive out of the three of them. Well, now he's dead too. So, everybody dies.
1: But anyway, you know, can, I, can I just say this song made me, you know what it made me think of was the Fonz. because A- I, Because I... Because I had to sit here and say this song s- 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 sucks. It like the can't say I love you, you know? Like, it pains me so much to say this song sucks. Well,
2: I, I, I don't think it's bad. I, I like the song. Ralph, what do you think?
0: I already said, I think Oh, I'm I sorry. think it's an okay song. I just hated the lyrics. And I don't like the cachet, cachet. I didn't like that either, but and it is my least favorite on the album, but I don't hate it as much as Justin. I think it's okay, but it is such a filler song. But it's one of those fillers that, yeah, I can, I can, I can deal to the next song, till the next song, which uh, I will take the next song. Okay. The quiet one, which is probably the noisiest song on here, um, kicks ass. John and Twistle kicking ass. I'm sure this is. I mean, I didn't look into it like you. But I'm sure this is one of his songs he wrote, right? Because yes. it's, it's about yes. him. It's about yes. him. Yes. Um Yes, you're right. I saw him play this live with uh, on the It's Hard tour. Yes. The first time I saw the Who was in Orlando. Which I man, I gotta guess Oh, a-
2: oh, let, let me ask you, Ralph, I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, because I think a friend of mine saw did the B-52s and Joan Jet opened up for that show.
0: They sure did.
2: Yes, I, I, my my friend went to that I used to work with, and you know because he grew up you know a little bit south of Orlando, and he hated Joan Jet because of that show. Really, I thought she was good. Yeah, he. Oh my god! Anytime Joan Jet would come on, he would fucking cuss and bitch about her. He's like, I saw Joan Jet and B-52s open up for the. For the who in orlando and she was fucking horrible fuck that lesbian oh my god he would go off about Joan jett
0: i do recall her coming out and opening with bad reputation i thought that shit was badass well, i saw her again the only time two times i saw Joan jett was opening for the who because the last time i saw the who last year she opened again another thing i remember of that show was the b-52s people were throwing shit at him and hey, you know how those chicks yes. have those big beehive hairdos?
2: Yeah, I uh, heard that. I heard they were throwing
0: shit. Yeah, at a cup got stuck in one of the beehive hairdos. And she didn't even realize it, so one of the guys from, you know, one of the roadies right on took it off her hair. But there was a cup stuck in that beehive. She didn't know. Anyway, and I thought they were entertaining. That's another... I, I don't... I, I'm not even a fan of these uh, dudes, but I do... Have a Rock pre- Lobster! I, I was going to say something. Rock Lobster... And I'm gonna get off subject here for a second. And I used to have a tradition when I was in my twenties. I would take acid every fucking July 4th. Me and my friends would go to Hollover Beach, we'd drop acid, and that night we heard Rock Lobster shit you not three times on the radio. It was awesome, dude. Like, here comes the bikini whale. <laughs> And we were, like, fucking tripping out. And then, and then like, we'd keep listening to the radio. We'd switch the station. There's Rock Lobster again. We're like, holy shit. And then, like, 30 minutes later, we are switch the station. We found it again. Only on Ask. Anyway, uh, so I saw them play the quiet one. I love this song. It's hard rocking. We were talking before how about this album is so poppy and not edgy at all. But I think this one is a very hard rocking tune in the middle of all these fucking songs. I think it just kicks ass, and uh, I do remember him playing his live with uh, on that show, the It's Hard. Did they tour for face dancing? Yes. They yes. did, huh? Yes. Yeah, well, I, I guess because th- that show, the It's Hard tour was their farewell tour. Yes.
2: Yeah, It's Hard was the farewell tour.
0: They should have called it the Kenny Jones farewell tour.
2: Exactly. And uh, yeah, Roger Daltrey hated Kenny Jones. but. He's kind of flip-sided on the albums because for a long time, he was like, the Who should have stopped after uh, Who Are You? He's like, we never should have done the Kenny Jones album. But then in a 94 interview, he praised Face Dances. He hated It's Hard, but he loved Face Dances. I'm
0: not a big fan of It's Hard. Even though I haven't really given it that much a chance, I should listen to it. Uh, But I I, I can't get into that album. uh,
2: Initially, I didn't like it. I mean, I loved Athena, and I loved uh, Eminence Front. That's yeah, that song's great. Yeah. Oh, oh, Eminence Front is one of the best things they ever did. Yeah, that's an awesome. But uh, yeah, when I initially got it, I hated it. But over the last couple of years, I've listened to it more, and I have warmed up to the album. I will say that. Yeah, I got
0: I got, it, I, got I
1: have it on vinyl, so I should
0: listen. Uh, to it. you know, there's,
2: I know No War is a good. So- I mean, there's some good songs on it.
1: Did you know the song Athena was originally called Teresa, and it was about Teresa Russell, the actress. Uh
2: well, on uh, my notes, it was originally called Childers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, it was about Teresa Russell, the actress. What Pete a hot Townsend.
2: What a hot piece of ass back in the well, day.
1: yeah. Well, Pete Townsend was fucking her. They were. Uh, he, he was having an affair with her. And did you know that Teresa Russell went to middle school with none other than Randy Rose? Wow. And yes, look it up. I saw in a guitar magazine 10, 15 years ago, um, Kelly Garney, the original bass player for yeah. Quiet Riot. Yes. He was saying that they were boyfriend and girlfriend in middle school. Randy might have like finger banged the chick that like 10 years later, uh, uh, Pete Townsend. Yeah, it's, it's
0: great to know that Pete Townsend got Randy sloppy second. <laughs> All right. So, has everybody talked about uh, "Quiet One"? No, just I, you. only no. me. No.
2: only me, just you. Okay. Well, well, uh, Justin, you shut up, and I'm going to talk Go about this one. Okay. Go ahead.
0: Uh,
2: I love this song. It's my second favorite song on the album. This was the B side of "You Better You Bet." And John Entwistle wrote this because he was always given like the token John Entwistle song. And he was tired of singing My Wife. He was tired of singing Boris the Spider. And uh, he wanted a new song to sing. So he wrote this and I fucking love it. And he was pissed about how he got the nickname as the Quiet One. <laughs> because originally he was the quiet one out of the group. But. You know as it started he he was a wild man just as much as fucking Keith Moon but he was always lambasted with you know you're the quiet one so he wrote this you know just to have a new song and to squash the reputation of him being the quiet one and he played this this was non-stop on both the 81 and the 80 82 tour but at every tour after that they never played it again And he would go go back to singing either My Wife or or Boris the Spider. I
0: remember Boris the Spider at the 82 tour. Oh, oh really? Okay, well, I do remember that. And also something I forgot to mention. I got to buy myself a scanner because check this this out. I have a newspaper clipping of that show where they show the audience and you can clearly see me. And uh, I need to get that shit scanned and put up online. You, You see a full stadium. This was at the Tangerine Bowl. And nice. and you can see me in that picture because I was pretty up close. The Ted t- Tangerine, but that's the one in Orlando. Yeah, right? that's where I saw yeah. that show.
2: Because uh, I was getting mixed up the tangerine and the orange. Orange Bowl's in Miami, tangerines yes. in Orlando. Exactly. Okay, yeah. okay, I, I get mixed up on that. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, this was him trying to do something different. And uh, dude, I fucking love the quiet one. I I, I think it's a great fucking track. And. On an album where a lot of this shit sounds I, I, I mean you hear Roger Daltrey's voice and you hear all this shit, but a lot of these songs sound more like solo. You know, it sounds more like a, a Roger Daltrey solo track, or it sounds more like a Pete Townsend solo track than it sounds like an actual Who song. To me, this is a Who song, and uh I fucking love this song. Uh, Justin, if your father's done with you, give us your opinion. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's he's finished. Yeah. Yeah. I heard he's. he's taking, I, I heard he's quick. Runs in the he's family. It out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They call They call him the quick one.
2: <laughs> uh, no.
1: But the, the, this this is a great fucking song, and I I adore it. I think, uh, just like my wife on "Who's Next," John Entwistle's songs are. Are simple. The lyrically, they're they're stripped down. There's no fucking pretentious like hidden meaning or anything. It's just a good stripped down rock song. And Pete's guitar playing on this song is great. He gets a chance to really solo and and just go off. Um, I think this album. I think this song helps the album get out of that pop mode and just and, and become more of a real Who album, I'm like just rocking. So I I love this song, and uh, yeah, I mean John Entwistle was Keith Moon's, you know, drug buddy. They they were like thickest thieves. They were, you know, the ones that were wild and crazy. So yeah, it, it, it's a great, great, great song. One of my favorites on the album. <clears throat> All
0: right, Justin, go go to the next one. Uh, don't uh, don't steal my money.
1: I love this. This is where Pete Towns at this part of the album, this middle part of the album is, is classic Pete. Catchy, great pop songs. Um, I love the bridge that did you screw me and um, uh, you know I, I love the, the the little bridge that where he talks about did you know that poor old veteran that you kicked right out of his bed? You know, it's it's a great catchy Pete song that, you know, it it just shows his his genius at writing a song like this. Um, You know, this is a song that could have fit on uh, Who Are You or the Who by Numbers or or one of his solo albums. I dig it. Uh, Ralph, what do you
0: think? I I like it, but no, I I don't really love this one. I mean, it is better than Caché Caché, but um, it's a strange tune. It's poppy. It's catchy. Uh, but, you know, it's. I would have to say, you know, it's my second least favorite one on here, but like I, like Cache Cache, I enjoy it. It's one of these songs where you know, there's a few songs on here that I feel are kind of like you know, not as good as the rest, but it's still it still doesn't make me go, oh fuck, let me hear the next track. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, it's an enjoyable tune, but I just, I, I, I kind of feel it's kind of a strange one too. It's like
1: Yeah. Well, at the end of the song, I always thought he was saying, lick my gaucho asshole, which gaucho is like a a Spanish cowboy. But I read the lyrics and apparently he's saying, nick my gelt, you asshole, which means nick my gelt means steal my money. So I was wrong. I thought he was talking about you, Ralph, and like. Someone licking his asshole.
0: Yeah, but, then, uh, yeah I would have identified more with the song if it was about that. Yeah. I get it. But, uh, uh, all right, uh, Ian, now, uh, what do you think of, uh, Don't Steal My Money?
2: Uh, well, I thought he was always saying, lick my beep asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love this song. Now, this is, uh, when they, when they did the tour, well, actually, some songs on this album we were played before the tour, but not on the tour, but only five songs were played at all. This is one of them, but this was only played uh, four times on the tour and then they gave it up, but I love it. I, you know, I just, I I, I think it's a good song. It, it, there was something weird about it again. This is a song like much of the album doesn't sound like the who to me, you know, like it's like the knack meets the who. It's post-punk, pop. You know, you know, almost like uh, cars meets Elvis Costello kind of shit. But I dig this song. I I I really fucking like it. Uh, so we might as well go into the next song, which is "How Can You Do It Alone." And uh, I like this song. Um, and this is a. The weird thing about this song is this is the one that they played it before the tour, but not after the album came out. And it went through a lot of transitions, like, uh, you know, different lyrically. And it would be like, uh, at some points on the 79 and the 78 tours, it this could go up to like eight minutes long, you know, like, like, like a jam type of song, but it was very different. Lyrically, a little bit different musically, but by the time it made it to the record, it never made it to the tour. So you didn't hear this on the Face Dances tour, but the two tours before, you
0: did, but in a different version. What do you think, Ralph? Um, I think the song—it's weird. It starts like it's going to be an epic tune, with that that structure, the the way this song kicks off. It sounds epic, like it's going to be an epic, but then it turns into musically. It sounds to me like a theme song to a lame sitcom. Not saying it's bad because I like lame sitcom theme songs, like your bosom buddies or something. <laughs> I
2: was just gonna say bosom buddies. Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
0: it's kind of got that vibe. Of it. Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, something you know. It's like yeah, exactly. Um, and the lyrics are strange. Like the first verse is about a flasher, I believe, because Roger Daltrey goes up to the guy and asks him for a light. And notices he ain't wearing nothing under his coat. And he's all wet. I think that's about a flashback. Then the second verse is about a kid stealing a porno mag. Yeah. It's, it's pretty all over the place, but... uh.
2: From, from Pete Townsend, and then he steals it back.
0: <laughs> you suck. Okay, bye. <laughs> all right, so... Um, anyway, so... I, I, I enjoy this song, but... This is the last song on here that I feel is not as good as the rest. That's kind of giving you a spoiler. I think Cachet, cache Caché, Don't Steal My Money, and this one are kind of like the low points on the album. But again, enjoyable enough where I don't feel like changing it. But uh, I feel like now it really picks up. Uh, so, Justin, uh, how can you do it? What do you think of that? One?
1: I think it's a great song. I love that. I, I love the verses that you know he asked him for a, a light and he, he froze until he saw my cigarette and he, and i noticed beneath his coat he was naked and wet you know it's just it's funny it's uh it's like everyday occurrences
2: you think it's funny people? about a kid being naked and wet
1: no you sick <laughs> no. fuck it's an old man It's an old, it's an old dude. The the young kid is the one that's stealing the porno mags.
2: Yeah, you Uh, you see it how you want to see it.
1: (laughs) But it's, I think it's a great catchy tune. It reminds me of um, on Who Are You. There's a song called uh, uh, Shit. What's that song called? Um, Guitar and Pen. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Guitar. Guitar and Pen. You know, it's just a classic, catchy Pete Townsend song. Yeah. And it's goofy, it's fun, and I dig it. And it's, you know, I, I think this album is is really picked up at this point.
0: All right. Well, why don't you take the next one, Justin? Daily Records.
1: Daily Records. What a great tune. What a great, catchy tune by Pete. I mean, you know, uh, I love when he goes, you know, my head is aging, my balls are raking. <laughs> And, and, you know, Pete and Roger will go like, oh, oh. You know, it's it's just catchy and great. And uh, the bridge to it is, is really rocking into that uh, uh, that um, play in, play out, fade in, fade out. I know you guys love when I sing because I have such a great voice.
0: Yeah, right. I, um, I do agree. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you have a great mouth but a
1: horrible
3: voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: you, know, yeah. me, you know what's funny about, you know how they say like um, 40 is the new 30 and stuff? It's like all these songs that Pete writes are in this like midlife crisis mode. And meanwhile, he well, was well, only like... like, like he a, was all,
2: yeah, but but look like what I mentioned earlier. He was dating his friend's daughter at the time of this record. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's what uh, you know. If you if you look at even um, you better you bet it's very similar. to Like "Hey 19 by Steely Dan, it's about a young man. I mean, an old man with a younger woman. You know, yeah. But or, but or, or is, in your case, an old man with a young male. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, but you but, you hear that not only lyrically but musically. It's a very young sounding album. I, I I think.
1: Well, it's like, you know, Keith Moon. If you saw like the final interviews with him when he just before he died, yes, he, he looked like he was fifty years old. Oh, and, blo- bloated! And, oh my yeah. god! And the thing is, he was barely thirty when he died. Yes, he was yes. like he was like thirty-one when he died. And yes. and it's like this album, Pete is sounds like a sixty-year-old guy. Like all of us are older than Pete was when this album came out. And it's like, it's all this middle-aged, we all talk, you know, we always hear about a midlife crisis, and I think Pete is very much in that mode for this album, even though he was probably 35, 36 when this came out, but regardless, this is a great fucking song. It's catchy, it's fun, and uh, I love it.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, like, Justin, how old are you?
1: I am forty-two. I'll be forty-three later this year.
2: Right, that's what I'm saying. Uh, stop dating women. Give up the fucking ghost. I, I mean, you know, you know what you want. Stop
0: breaking women's hearts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, man, are you drunk? Pick, yes, pick, I. Am. Pick up the next one. Uh, uh, I mean, Daily Records. Okay, Daily
2: Records. Uh, this is one never played live uh, by anybody. Uh, this is the only song that wasn't not only not played live by the Who, but not you know solo by anybody else. And I can kind of see why. It's not bad, but it's um it definitely a filler track. Not horrible, but it, it's it's not standout. It's like, hey, we need one more track, and uh does nothing for me but at the same time it doesn't offend me it's just not a standout. like like to me the criteria of a who song this does not meet. but it's by anybody else's standards it, may, it might be a good song but to me it's not a great who song what do you think rob uh
0: tied for my favorite uh what? Justin, yeah i don't know if you oh i guess you don't pay attention ian but i i'm sure justin's noticed this. I posted this song on the Rock and Metal Combat Facebook page more than once. Do you remember that, Justin? Yes. Yeah, I, see, I, I, know you, I, I,
2: I know have, you I have no idea song. because I blocked
0: you. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have, I have put it up. And I, I love really? the fuck out of this song. I adore really? this okay. song. Right. And I do remember. See, what I told you guys earlier, when I heard Don't Let Go of the Coat, and I saw Face Dances at a record convention soon after, okay. I bought it. I brought it home. I played it, and I didn't stop playing it. And when Daily Records came on, I go, "Fuck! I remember this song." So I know that I have a video for it. So this must have been played on the radio back then.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: Because I remember hearing this song back then, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then I was listening to it. I'm like, "This song is so much fun." I think Ian, this song would really grow on you if you gave it more of a chance. I think. I think structurally, it's genius. What?
2: I, I don't think it's like a horrible like. A, there's no song in this I really hate, but to me this is very much like I see this more of like a Joe Jackson song right. than, a, than than a, than a Who song. I don't hate it, but uh, to me this is probably yeah, well, yeah. I should say yeah, it's my least favorite, but because it's it's so out of place. But then again, like I said, a lot of this is out of place. To me, this is a skinny tie Who album. It's very much uh new wave uh post-punk kind of poppy you know like i could see the romantics doing a lot of these songs
0: okay yeah no and, and yeah i agree with you it does have that kind of new waveish feel to it it's just so well done i don't think this can be played live um uh, because of that opening riff. is so i don't know it sounds a little too uh studio magic-y to me but I just feel like this song is so well structured, and you know, I and and what Justin was saying earlier, that bridge is my favorite part of the song. Where it's like, when you are eleven, the whole world's at to lunch. That buildup in that bridge is so kick-ass that I will lift it on a future Thrash or Die song because I am the Jimmy Page of Thrash. <laughs> I love the bridge that that climatic that little thing that has that it's it, it just grows and grows and then it hits you with that line like all oh, was at the lunch and then the other what was the other line yeah. uh, uh, that
2: confounded bridge oh so no,
0: he goes he goes cold sex and booze don't impress my little, little girls. yeah i love that man yeah the way it just it builds helps. up right before the chorus i got to yeah. steal that you know so it, I, it, I have I done just, that We'll go ahead. And, and
1: it's look. so it's so British the way he sounds. Daily records.
0: Yeah. All right, you want to take the next one? Go ahead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, no, I'll take it. Uh, you. Uh, this is my third favorite song on the album. I fucking love this. This is another one written by John whistle. Uh but but not sung by John Entwistle. Sung by Roger Daltrey, but written by John N's Whistle. And, uh, this was never played live by The Who, but John Whistle did play with the John Edson Whistle band. Uh, was the B-side to Don't Let Go of the Code, and was originally going to be on a John was, uh, John Edson Whistle solo album. But Kenny Jones was the person who said, hey, that sounds like The Who. You need to save that for The Who. And, like, when this first came about it was just, like, rehearsals between John Entwistle. And Kenny Jones. And he said, no, save that shit. Because it's too Who-like. And uh, I agree. I think it makes a perfect Who song. I love what Roger did with the vocals. And I think it's a great fucking track. And uh, I wish they would have played this live. Because, uh, like I said, it's my uh, third favorite track. Love this fucking song. What do you think, Justin?
1: Yeah, I love it, too. I, I think, and John had said um, <clears throat> on Who Are You, uh, John had three songs that he wrote on that album. And he said, you know, if I want to get more songs on these Who albums, I got to write songs for for Roger to sing, you know, because, he, you know, you can't have John singing two or three songs on a Who album. But, um,
2: but his vocals, I think, are incredible.
1: I, yeah, I I agree, but you can't have like Pete singing a song or two, and then Roger singing, and have John singing. It, it, there was never an album. I don't think there's ever a Who album where John sings more than one song.
0: And, and so, funny enough, Pete sings no songs on it.
1: Yeah, I mean his his background vocals and yeah, and in right. some of the, like bridges, you can definitely hear him. Yeah. But that is true. That's 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 a good point. He's not like the lead
0: vocalist. Maybe maybe because he had two solo albums. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Right. Well, no. I mean that that was a thing at the time. Is uh, there was a lot of problems with the Who, where Pete's like, oh, I just want to give up the Who. And that's why they did the farewell tour. Like he just wanted to make it uh, the Who a studio band yeah and uh and john answorth said i'll quit he's like i want a fucking tour and there's a lot of people saying that like pete saved all his best shit for solo albums you know like okay i'll I'll give this to the who but if i really like this it's going on my solo album
1: well i mean if you listen to empty glass and all the best cowboys have chinese eyes that came out in the early 80s i mean those are phenomenal albums and i personally think that both of them are better than Face Dances or It's Hard for my money. I just enjoy those albums a lot more. And and I've also heard Pete say over the years that the reason they would always come back and tour is because John Entwistle was broke. Well, uh, Because he had a horrible problem with spending money. Like, like, if he saw a pair of shoes he liked, he wouldn't just buy one. He would buy one in every color.
2: Well, and... I mean, yeah. what I was saying at this time, they were talking about that. Um, where, like I was saying, uh, Pete said he wanted to just become a studio band, and both uh, you know Roger and uh, you know and and John wanted to do you know a tour thing. They were saying they were more more than willing to just like tour and do greatest hits, where you know Pete was more about pushing it, but like. Uh, I was talking about the critics like not liking this uh, album and there's, there's two guys who wrote a book on the who and and they point out to this song as being the worst lyrics that John ever wrote and they were saying this is an example of how hard up the who was for material at the time but I, I disagree because I think this song sounds more like the who than a lot of the songs.
1: Well, I think that's a pretty stupid comment, considering that Pete had put out two solo albums that was full of stuff that just as easily could have been The Who. You know, I mean, and and, and I mean, John, that was Boris the Spider. I mean, those are st- the most stupid lyrics ever, you know. And so this, you know, I like when he says... um you know, one hook and I'm one look and I'm hooked, one touch and my goose is cooked, you know? They're fun, silly lyrics. That's what well, John Entwistle did, you know? Did, 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 he wasn't, he wasn't like, you know, poetic. He was just writing almost like Gene Simmons type
2: lyrics. Well, did, did you ever hear like the demo version of this song? No. Okay, there's a demo version of this. was like, my name's Justin Childers. But I pronounce it Justin Childers. and uh, Yeah? <laughs> yeah. It was a horrible song. I like I this much better. Ralph, you. What, do you, what do you think?
0: Uh, this song, check it out. This song, when this album came out, I heard this song on the radio and I loved it so much. This was actually played on the radio. That the only reason I didn't go out and buy this album, because I loved you. I loved it. And I loved both of you too at one point. And um, when I would go to the <laughs> when I would go to the record store, and I would look, I would see Face Dances. I would turn around, and I'd see you. And I'm be like, man, I want to buy this record, but you better you bet. Don't let go of the coat. Eh. And I would put it back. Now it's uh, like I love those songs. But you see, the thing is that I had to pick either I buy this or I buy Iron Maiden killer or I buy point of entry. Or, you know whatever, right Whatever it was that? or fair warning, whatever came out that year. So there was so many albums that were like I would go there, but in retrospect, man, you know, and you was more my liking cuz you is like it's punky and hard rock and borderline metal. You know, it's got that riff. And then I remember I never heard this song again and it always stuck in my mind thinking of you. Uh, that song, you. And then I remember when I got online, and this was pre-YouTube, or I, I didn't catch on to YouTube. This was during the, uh, the the Napster craze and and Audio Galaxy and all that shit. And I remember I di- I I looked for it like the Who you. I gotta find this song. And I finally heard it after 20 somewhat years. And it's like God, I love this song. And I just had it on a little compilation of Who CDs I made, a burned one. Because I wasn't really an album who fan yet right. and I just always loved this song and you know in retrospect if you think about it back then if I would have bought this album this would have been probably my favorite track all right so did both of you uh, talk about you Uh yes. yes okay so the last song another tricky day um this is the one that I remember I think I got turned on to by the radio and early MTV Uh, Got a lot of airplay. I'm pretty sure it was played on the radio because it's so familiar to me I think it's a great rocking tune now back then I just didn't care but uh, To tell you truth, I don't recall if they played this when I saw that it's hard tour. they might have but I don't recall them playing this tune. But uh, I love this song and I think it's a great way to end this album where it's more I guess it's the more hard rocky uh, Roger Daltrey song with you. like They end it with two more up-tempo killer songs. That That's probably why when I finished listening to this album, I was like, fuck, that was good. So I, I really love Another Tricky Day. What, uh, what do you think, uh, Ian?
2: Uh, my favorite track on the album. I fucking love this. This is the song that sounds like the who to me. Uh, it has the power. It has... Yeah, the power chord. Yeah, I mean I mean everything about is this, this is like this isn't skinny tie who This is like the who and the, the, the funny thing about this is this wasn't a single There was only two singles from the album uh, You better you bet and don't let go of the coat but at the same time they filmed the video for those two songs Because if you look at them, they're all black and white. It's all a performance video they filmed three videos at the same time. They filmed the video for another tricky day, but it was never officially released as a single. But to me, this is the best song. And this is the one that sounds like, you know, 70s who to me. And, uh, you know, I, I love the optimism of this song. It's very, very Pete Townsend. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, shit sucks. But, you know, it's just another tricky day. and. You know, whatever you're gonna get over it, and you're gonna deal with it. I fucking love this song, favorite song off the album. What do you think,
1: Justin? Yeah, I love this song. It's an anthem. It's um, it's brilliant. You know, that there's definitely the Pete Townsend power chord going on, and uh, I love Pete and Roger singing together. You know, you can't always get it when you really want it. And uh my favorite part, though, is uh, how, how
2: how'd that go just.
1: Uh, <laughs> but my favorite part, though, is like I guess you'd call it the bridge when Roger's singing, you know, another gently nagging day, and there's chords going on by Pete that are just beautiful and just. Yeah, uh, you know, Pete's such an underrated fucking guitar player. You know, his solos on on you and on. Um, uh, you know, how can you do it alone? He's he's freaking amazing. And this song is, is awesome. Uh, it, I don't know if it's my... I don't really think I had thought about what my favorite song on the album is. It's probably Daily Records, but but this one is is, is outstanding as well. What?
2: Daily Records is your
0: favorite? Wow, okay. Uh, probably.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. Come on, dude, come on we're, we're, both, we're both gay. Well, Ralph loves it. That's my favorite, dude. Okay. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is my favorite. I mean, I would say it's my favorite along with uh, Don't Let Go of the Code. I like them both equally. Okay. Okay. That's
2: why I'm just doing
0: the I, I would put another Tricky Date with, uh, right under it. So, you know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Great right. song. Okay. Right. so Great that, way to end that, it, that ends the album, though. There are bonus tracks. Um, three of them, which I'm not too aware of because I heard them for the first time this week but i did listen to them again and i told both of you to listen to it again so you can give us a little uh synopsis of it and this is these are tracks that i thought that haven't sunk in as much as the rest of the album but i will say you know starting with i like nightmares uh i will say this one i can understand why it didn't make the album i do feel like this is kind of a poor tune it's not really that good i don't know much about this song but uh all I can say, it didn't really do much for me on the two times I've heard it. Maybe it would grow on me, but as of now, meh. What do you think, uh, Justin? Uh, I swear, honestly, I
1: don't remember the song. I have the first I have the CD that came out about 15 years ago that has this on it, uh, along with the other two bonus tracks. But I, it, it was. It made no impression on me.
0: Uh, Ian? Yeah, way,
2: way to be prepared, Justin. Uh, Congratulations on your last appearance Uh, Horrible Horrible Uh, Yeah, don't like this song at all I can totally see why it was left off the album Uh, Out of the bonus tracks There's three outtakes And two live versions And uh, this is the worst of the bunch Uh, Not a memorable song at all Very horrible Obvious. Why this was like uh, a bonus track and not on the album. Uh, Then we'll we'll go on to the next song, which is, uh, shit. It's Uh, in You. Yes, it's in You. Not a bad song. Sounds a lot more like The Who than most of the songs on this album. Not saying that it's a better song, but to me it sounds more Who-like than a lot of the other shit. What do you think, Ralph.
0: Uh, I think it's decent. I don't really like it much, though. It's, it's just okay, man. I, I even put cachet-cachet over this. Uh, okay. I really don't think it deserves to be on the record. Shit, I don't even think it deserves to be on the bonus track. And, uh, I like nightmares, But after I like nightmares, it's like, okay, it's not that bad. As bad as that. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Yeah, it, it's okay. What it I think the coolest thing about it was the lyrics mentioned Keith Moon. I thought that was pretty cool. But other than that, man, you remember this song. Uh, it's in you, Chuck.
1: No, I don't. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll take the last one. Somebody save me. Uh, like, McVicker, save God. me. No, um, this song I love. I did like, and I, I go, now this would have fit on the record. But I don't quite, is it a duet? Because some parts sound like Rogers, some parts t- sound like V. Even when it sounds like Pete, it kind of sounds like Roger, and vice versa. Then I don't know if it's just one of them singing it or two of them singing uh, it, different it, lines.
2: It, it's straight
0: up Pete. It's straight up Pete, huh? Pete yeah. sounds like Roger in certain parts of the song. Um, I do like this song. I like. I think this would have fit well on the album because the way it starts, it's kind of got that ballady vibe. That nut. That there's no songs on Face Dances that have. Ballad vibe, so I think this is the one track out of the three that I would have welcomed on the album, and I would have put it instead of Caché Caché. You know, I think it's uh, it's the best out of the bunch. Though I mean, it's not mind blowing, but I dug it. I thought it was, you know, the only two times I heard it, I go, now this one I like more than the other two. What do you think, uh, uh, Ian? Because Justin don't remember this shit.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, I,
0: yes, I do. Oh, shut well, this well, well, one?
2: Well, here's why he knows this. Um, uh, this was not put on Face Dances, but it was put on the Pete Townsend solo album. Oh, which one? All, all the Best Cowboys Have Chinese Eyes. And, uh, and I love Somebody Save Me. It is a great song. Uh, it was later covered by Cinderella, who changed all the, all the music. And, and all lyrics. The ly- yeah. Yes, and all the lyrics, and they just called it Somebody Save Me. Yeah. But, uh, no, I do like this song. and I, I, I think it would have been great on the album. I really do. Um, but, uh, once again, it goes back to what a lot of people were talking about, this era of The Who, where they said Pete Townsend was saving a lot of what he felt was his best songs for his solo albums, because when all the best uh, Cowboys Have Chinese Eyes came out the same year as It's Hard. So he was putting out solo albums, like, months after... Who albums at this point? So you could see him trying to save the better songs to just promote his shit. Because like I said, he wanted to make the Who almost like Steely Dan. Like, hey, we're going to be a studio uh, band and we're not going to tour. And the rest of the band was like, fuck you. You know, uh, we're going to play Magic Bus and make a lot of money. And he wasn't all for that. So he was his songs for that I, I do like this and I'll take the next song which
0: is a live version Well, are we going to talk about the live songs
2: well I mean there's only two songs left so we might as well right. do it I,
0: I, can't, I can't even wait, wait, I didn't
1: you, didn't, you didn't even let me talk about that song yeah
2: because about. you're from West Virginia I mean do you have an opinion Just... yes Okay. I
1: think that somebody saved me a fucking phenomenal song And there's about half a dozen Pete songs that were either on, well, basically all of his solo albums would have been better than Cash Cash. And um, this song in particular, Somebody Save Me, is gorgeous. It's a fucking beautiful fucking song. I mean, there's just, it's better than most of the songs on Face Dances for my money. And it's clear where Pete's head was at. He was like more. He was he was focusing on his solo stuff, and this is a good example.
3: All right. But,
2: well, thanks for thanks for that, Justin. All right. The last two songs are live versions, and uh, this one is from December 1979, which is two years before the you know the recorded version would come out, and it's. How can you do it alone, but with Pete Townsend on vocals and not Roger Daltrey, and a little bit of difference on on uh, the lyrics? What do you think, Ralph? I, I don't remember.
0: I, I heard it on my walk once, and now uh, when I listen to it again to take notes, uh, I didn't even bother listening to the live track, so I, I don't have a, I, I'm pulling a Justin on this one. All right, Justin, what do you think? Well, I do know that. They okay, did this. doesn't
2: matter. The next well, song
1: is, <laughs> They did this, in the Chicago '79. By the way, if, if Kenny Jones gets a bad rap. If you listen to Kenny Jones with the Faces and the Small Faces, he's a kick-ass motherfucking drummer. Like, if you listen to that that version of uh, "I Know I'm Losing You," yes, I mean he is kick-ass. I think they really neutered him on these albums, and and it's not his fault. Right. Because I do think he's a great out, a great drummer. And and Pete loved playing with him because he gave him room to, like, solo and have the space without Moon just going nuts. Kind kind of over. like what
0: Black Sabbath did to Cozy Powell.
2: Yeah, right. there you right.
0: go. Exactly. And what, and, what, uh,
2: what yeah. I, I really think they got rid of Kenny Jones is, you know, by the time they did the 89 tour, um, Kenny Jones was just too old. And, and Pete Townsend prefers a younger boy
1: <laughs> oh is that, is that that's why he's got uh, Ringo's son in the band now
2: exactly and not Ringo I mean why have Ringo when you can have a fresher
1: fruit yeah there you go
2: alright the last live track is The Quiet One by John Enzorso and that's from 1982 at Shea Stadium the infamous Shea Stadium Show I have it where, on Blu-ray, where the Clash opened up for uh, for YouTube. I mean for YouTube, for the Who, and uh, and I, again I love it. Um, love me some John Ennis. Every time I do coke now, I feel bad and I think about John Ennis. So like, oh, shit! What I'm just about ready to do killed John Ennis. But, but how I was cool
0: like, is it that he died with coke and hookers?
2: Right. Yep. And 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 how I justify it in my mind is I don't have any hookers. Here. So I just do the code.
1: Oh, okay.
3: Right. Well there
2: there you go. Alright, well this album came out March sixteenth, nineteen eighty one. Produced by Bill I'm not even gonna be able to pronounce his name Sis Sismac. Anyway, he's Sismac. Yeah, exactly uh most notably known for doing the the, the eagles and, and joe walsh and the james gang uh this was the last platinum studio album by the who and uh it went to number four on the charts and went platinum and it went to number two in the uk uh, it, it, it is a great album but it, it is the end of an era Well, not only it's the beginning and an end of an era, you know, it's like the beginning of the post Keith Moon and uh, the beginning and the end of the fucking Kenny Jones, you know, as far as chart wise. I think it's hard went gold, but uh, but that's it. Um, I love it. It's a very obscure album to pick, Ralph, and I'm glad you did. So there you go. All
0: right. So uh, let's go into pick of the week. All right,
2: and since we have a special guest this week, well, since we have a not so special guest this week, Justin, why don't you go first?
1: Well, you know, uh, in in light of um, Meg- Megadeth putting out the amazing Dystopia album, um, you know, there was all this speculation about who was going to be in the band. Was it going to be a reunion and of the uh, rest in peace? And you know, I I knew that Marty is not going to be down with it. Because that guy is like a fucking superstar in Japan, right? He's probably richer than Dave Mustaine. Um, But I was hoping that they would get Chris Poland back in the game. Because that guy is my favorite guitar player to ever be in Megadeth. And you know what? Let, Let me tell you something about Dave Mustaine. He is the most arrogant son of a bitch. But you got to give him credit because he's always, from the beginning, decided, I'm going to have another guy in the band that's just as good as me, if not better. And Chris Poland is, like, my favorite. And his he got kicked out of Megadeth because he was stealing Dave's guitars to sell for drug money. Um, but he put out an awesome album called Return to Metal Alpha Lampus.
0: I have it, and, and I got it signed, too. Oh, wow. You met Chris? Was he cool? You know, and it's the weirdest thing how I... Oh, yeah, he was super nice. The weirdest thing how I met him um, was I went to go see Flotsam and Jetsam, and the opening band was Damn the Machine, which he was in. Oh, wow. Have you heard yeah. of that band? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and, I, and this was in Washington Square, which was a, uh, a club that was literally like four blocks from my house. So once I saw he was there, I just ran to my house, I grabbed that CD the uh, and the damn machine, and I have a promo picture of Megadeth. And I took all three of them to, back to the show and uh, and had him sign it. But yes, that's an amazing uh, CD you're about to say. And I just wanna say one little quick thing about that night that was insane. Me and my friend, Holy George, were at the door going into the club And this guy walked past us wearing a white suit. And I looked at him. Then I looked at George and I go, dude, fucking now it's dark because he looked identical to Dennis Hopper. And turns out and then we're there and some chick that worked at the club ran to the door person going, oh my god, Dennis Hopper just walked in the club. And I'm like, what the fuck is Dennis Hopper coming to see Fox and the Jets up for? It turns out the club next door was owned by Sean Penn. He went into the wrong club.
1: So, wow! All
0: right, back to your yeah. It's a weird. It's a but yeah. Yeah. Start. Um,
1: I think Return to Metalopolis came out. I think in 1990, and it's just a great instrumental thrash yes, album. Yeah, it's an
0: amazing it, instrumental album. A yeah, good pick. His.
1: His brother plays drums on it, yes. Chris plays all the bass, so it's just the two of them. And it's fucking awesome. Uh, I highly recommend it to any Megadeth Thor, the fan.
0: I could be wrong, but wasn't his brother in Damn the Machine? I think he was as well. I could yes. Be wrong. He yes, was, he right? Was. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right, Ian, what's your pick? I still haven't thought of one.
2: All right, my pick, uh, and this goes along with when we're recording this. I don't know when this is going to air, but... It's going to
0: air when I'm in Europe.
2: Okay, so it's, it's going to be way past that. But um, the, the death of Keith, Keith Emerson. And uh, Emerson, Lake & Palmer's, I believe it's their second album, Tarkus. And, you know, I love so much of my father's music. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, my dad likes it. You know, I can't like it. You know, it's my parents' music. I loved so much of my dad's music. But he didn't like so much of my, like, my dad hated Kiss. He hated Kiss. But I liked a lot of his. And I'll never forget, one time we go to a record store. We're both buying vinyl. And he picked up uh, Tarkus by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And I was, I looked at the album cover. I said, ooh, man, that's a cool fucking cover. And then he took it home and played it. And I thought it was the worst shit I ever heard in my life, you know? But then again, at the same time, you know, I thought Asylum was right there with physical graffiti. (laughs) You know, Uh, you know, it's where I was at with music, and I I didn't get it first. But after repeated listens, I love Tarkus. You know, particularly the title track. It's like fucking twenty minutes long. Uh, You know, very proggy, but I love it. And uh, you know, if you like prog rock, I think you'll get into it. If you don't. This album is not going to change your mind, but if you want to take a chance on it and you want to fucking smoke some like really good dope, put on some headphones, I think Emerson, and Palmer, Tarkas is a great album to start with. That's right. my pick of the week.
0: Okay, mine kind of like uh, coincides with our episode. Uh, my pick is uh, Wasp, The Headless Children. Nice. Uh, which is my second favorite Wasp album. And uh, an incredible version of uh, the real me. As good as the Who's version? No. But still fucking kick-ass. Um, I think it's Wasp like finally finding their ground after the first album. Because their first album was, to me, the shit. And still the, my favorite Wasp. After that, you know, Last Command and uh, Inside Electric Circuits, which are albums I don't hate. I just felt like it didn't match the greatness of the first one, where I feel like Headless Cross, not Headless, as good, Headless I mean, Children, Headless Children, not as good as the first one, but damn close. Uh, the Heretic, Thunderhead, my favorite, the title track, uh, Mean Man, Neutron Ronnie, uh, I mean Neutron Bomber, right? Neutron Bomber, right? Neutron Bomber, yeah. Where he mentions Ronnie, Ronald Reagan. Uh, Rebel and FGG, and, uh, it's just a great fucking album from the beginning. And the only clunker for me, and I'm sure both of you will probably uh, disagree, is I never liked Forever Free. I felt like I that, love that. It. I always love felt it. like ah, this one's not doing it for me, and I kind of felt like it was a, it was a mistake having that as the second single. And I think I was right because you know it didn't really do much. But I felt like Headless Children should have been the second single. But, but God, what a great fucking album. And, uh, yeah, my second favorite Wasp album uh, uh, is, is well, that one.
2: I, I agree with you on that, Ralph. Uh, but Forever Free was, like, the most successful thing at that time that they did. So, I, I mean, while while we disagree, the masses, you know.
0: No, should... you, you know, you said the same thing about, what was the last one you said? Uh, suicidal. Dude. It's not true, because if it was true, okay, maybe chart-wise it was right, but if it was true, why isn't it no more in their set list? Why doesn't Suicidal ever play uh, I Hate You Better if it was such a massive hit to the masses? You're judging it it, wrong, dude. You're judging it
2: completely. No, no, no. no. I'm saying saying it was very of the time zone, because I remember when that album came, dude, I remember... Waiting outside the record store the day that was released, but it wasn't
0: "Forever Free," dude. No, 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 but
2: but but I saw "Forever Free" a lot more in Headbanger's Ball than I saw anything else off that album. So, oh no, you're you're wrong. You're wrong.
0: Uh, Uh, The real me, the real me, was played way more than that one.
3: "Forever uh, Free"
0: wasn't played that much, man. Well, well, maybe in Miami. But in Chicago,
2: like on the radio and all that shit? MTV
0: MTV was was not just a Miami
2: thing, dude. Well, no, 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 no. no. But I'm saying I saw Forever Free a lot more than I I saw. Well,
0: it might have have been pushed. Okay, on the radio up in Chicago. Because Miami never played either one of them. But maybe it was pushed more. But in the long run, it's not something. That the masses want to hear when they put it off. Oh, 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 oh! They'd I rather agree. hear. They'd rather hear the real me, and they still play the real me, but they don't play Forever Free. What that tell you? No,
2: I agree on that, but I'm saying at the time, uh, Forever Free was played a
0: shit ton, but not because of the masses, because of promotion, because of payola, because of the record company. Play the song. Play right. the song. Oh, yeah, no,
2: no, 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 I totally agree with that because, hey, let's push a ballot because everybody else has a ballot. No, I agree with that. Should I
0: rewind <laughs> the tape when you said the masses?
2: Huh? No, I'm just... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying I heard it more than I did uh, the, the drunk real drunk
0: bastard. Okay, oh, uh, you, you heard it more, but it doesn't mean it's because it's, it was like a, such a... You said the same thing on the suicidal, like, I hate you better as their bigger sin. If it's their bigger sin, why does it they play it live anymore what well, it's just not it's well, no,
2: same- I, it was on radio not like be, for the fans but i'm saying like like for people who aren't for, for like people who were non-fans that was something they attached on more like there's a lot of people you know don't like suicidal but like i hate you better just like there's a lot of people don't like wasp but like forever free but if you play tormentor they're like Ugh. And I'm a watcher. I'd rather hear tormentor than forever free. But I'm make saying forever free sound like it does. Exactly, but what I'm saying is as far as exposure and what got played more. That's what I'm getting at. All right, do we have a fan of the week? Well, my fan of the week this week is Wade Stacy. And Wade Stacy uh he's not so much as a poster as he is a contributor. But that's just as cool man he contributes on a lot of posts and uh man that's what we asked for all right well let's go into the plugs all right now we get to the part that i gotta do every week uh talk about the stuff we got to and that is podbean check us out on podbean our home uh, our main page where there's links to everything where you get every episode every sunday morning Go on there, you know, follow us. Uh, Subscribe, whatever the fuck it is. Leave comments. You can leave, if you join up, you can uh, follow us, leave comments on the episodes. Uh, I love that kind of shit. Also, check us out on iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. That way you get every episode. And also leave a review. You leave a review, we're going to read that shit on the air and make you famous. Because people all over the world listen to this shit. And they will hear your name and hear your review. So be funny and give us five fucking stars. Also, check us out on that metal station where you can hear us twice a week. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. All right, while you're still on that metal station, check out a friend of ours, a big fan of the show. Mike Tyler has two shows. One on Tuesday that is strictly thrash, and another one that on Friday that just plays everything.
0: Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists, and the podcasts or interviews where they
3: appear, go to com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favourite musicians, producers, journalists and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G U L L Y A N D J O A dot 8pm UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podkissed.
1: The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss talk like no one else. Whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is and You're listening to Podkiss.
0: Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss.
1: The podcast the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears.
3: music's most diverse podcast starring luke Innes, greg Sims, bootlegs and mr t from germany new episodes released every saturday on podbean podcast addicts and itunes the true alternative podcast
0: have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on netflix Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix. Available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.
3: Hello, this is Lee Gerstman, and I listen to a show called Wadzilla Rock. It's on a station called ThatMetalStation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music, heavy rock from when I was younger up until now, and he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love humping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on ThatMetalStation.com. Thank you. Hey, 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 it's me, Bill Wang. Make sure you listen to the Dr. Fuck Show Thursdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, the replay Sundays, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ThatMetalStation.com. Diddle, diddle. Oh, yeah, I
2: fucked up. Bam. All right. Well, if you loved that episode, and we know you did in spite of Justin Childers, come back next week when our special guest is Dr. Phil. He joins us in the studio to talk about Motley Cruz, Dr. Feelgood.
0: It's a battle of doctors, and I got a feeling Dr. Fuck is going to win. Oh, yeah. Nah, come on, man. That guy don't know shit. Tune into the Dr. Fuck show and ask me any questions of affairs of the heart and I will cure your life forever. It'll either be you'll be have a better life or you'll cure yourself. Either way, it'll rid the problem.
2: That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.